Hi, this is Kaylin Smith, creator of Plume, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> I've seen it. Okay. All right. I'm a- it's not about your ears. I get it. I get it. But I mean, the first time it didn't sound, right. it, there wasn't really any force coming from me. And now this time I barely eked it out. And then you're like, okay, do it print. That's so fine. Yeah. Cut, cut it, print, wipe That's the floor. It. We're done. Oh, <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? It's been so long since you spoke. So damn long. No, I'm telling you, the, the, uh, what with a regular job and stuff, the, Twice a week is kind of rough because when do you have time to to give whatever you're reading? It's it's due diligence, right? You, yeah. you don't. You gotta just find yeah. a way. Well, I know. at least with February, February should be. It's weird. I, I was going to say February should be easy because we have as as of I as of what I know right now, three guests lined up for the month, but it's also the shortest month. Yeah, two and a half. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Two and a half. One's not really a guest. I was going with the height, but yeah, okay. So, I um, think who the third is. Oh. Wow. Well, no, because I because you can't be calling the other the two I'm thinking of is not a full guest. So. I won't. No, I would never. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. You yeah. should have known that from all your many years of blogging. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next T-shirt. Yes. That's uh Hey everybody. It's eleven o'clock comics. I don't know why you beseech me. It's like all I do is give you love and all you do is just Do you remember push me you, away? No, when, when you, you remember back. when you were in grade school and that super cute girl with the ponytail that sat in front of you and didn't give you the time of day and you always yanked on that damn ponytail because you knew number one, she would turn around, number two, you got her attention, right? Mm-hmm. It, even it's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just pulling on your ponytail. Yeah. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 721. Damn. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And you have been for 721 episodes. Those that you've been here for, I am David A. Price. That is true. And some know me as Ash Tyler, but others know me as Volk. Ooh. Nice. But you're not Volk. You're Jason Wood, everybody, together as one on this, the Book of the Month episode. And what, pray tell, is the Book of the Month? Well, y'all voted for it, the patrons anyway, so you should already know. But we said it last episode. I'll clue you in. It is from Dark Horse, at least at this point in time that this book was printed. It was from Dark Horse. But as we'll we'll get into, this thing has been around Every street corner in, in comics land. Uh, Usagi Yojimbo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Complete Collection. Written by Stan Sakai and Peter Laird, with art by Stan Sakai and Peter Laird. And as I said, it's from Dark Horse. And that's the book of the month that you, our patrons, chose. And what's this patron thing about, you ask? Well, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's where the herd gathers to elevate everyone in the 11 o'clock comics listenership how does it work well they give us money and it enables us to do a lot of different things and depending on how much you contribute 
to the EOC pot, well, you get different things. You'll get a care package in the mail full of lots of comics. You'll get access to our Slack, which is blowing up, busting at the seams like my jeans, uh, and many other things. So if you want to be a little adventurous and go beyond the um, once and or twice a week listening experience and join us on another realm, go to 11 o'clock comics. Uh, that's not it. Go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Two ones, no apostrophe. They're good, good, good people. They lift everybody up. It is true. Prayers up, hands up, EOC up. Wow, they've been doing a lot, and, and they've been doing a lot of lifting this week. This it, it's been it's been a lively place to hang out. The Slack I'm talking about. Yeah, I week. just want to ask a question. Um, yeah, archiving. So help me if it's about. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, archiving old areas deletes them. No, 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 no. no. You can delete it, them, or you can archive them. Now, when you archive them, does everybody have access to them? No, that's the idea of them being archived. You can, you, you, you some can of the one, Oh, okay, because some of the ones that were were archived, I'm like, why would you archive? Uh, yeah, also was... keep it, but also keep in mind because we have the free version. Most of the stuff that you're that, that was in there isn't we, people can't see anyway. It only goes back so far, but there's only so many. Yeah, so much, so much space we have. So, so. Instead of a hard drive, which will get filled up and you can't store anymore, the oldest stuff just falls off the edge. I'm just saying, Caleb loves the panels without context group or channel. And I don't know, just without it, cable isn't fully cable, right? Okay, just, well, just saying. his name is Caleb, number one. Number two. But his handle's oh, cable. I understand. He he can post that. The idea is we're going to you're, – you're kind of bearing the lead here. But the idea is we're going to try and create a few fewer channels that are – easier to moderate and more rich because that that channel you're speaking of that may be caleb's jam but very few people go there and know it exists or post to it so we have a lot of slackers now we're approaching i think 100 slackers now not everybody's super active but and what we don't want to have because we even had people comment today is we don't want to have the people that have been there riding with us the whole time to no longer find it enjoyable because it's too chaotic where they feel like they're missing things or they're seeing things that they don't want to see. So right, right. It's, it's just, I mean, and, and the point of archiving is that, yes, if if anything that's been archived, it, if we hear, oh, hey, no, no, that like, that should be its own thing, we can just unarchive it and it'll exist and it's fine. You, That's why nothing's getting deleted because if okay. you delete it, it's gone. So Right. I get it. I just like the chaos because that's my jam, but I understand yeah. that there's a lot of stuff all over the place. Um, I mean, for it, it's it's we had and and you know there's going to be, or, or, the, there'll be a rules thread, but there's or a channel, but there's going to be there's going to be a pinned, because when people sign up, they they're thrown into the welcome and the the basic general default channel, yeah, and then everybody chimes in with a welcome, which is how it should be. We want people to feel welcome, but then anything that gets announced twenty minutes prior to that. Is, is basically gone because it's off the screen. So we're just trying to we don't we're not trying to turn it into a form, but we just it, 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 we want a little bit of of um, some better readability, I guess. It, it's okay. just it it'll make it, it'll make sense. Everything will everything will even out. Oh, I get it. We got an influx of of people today because I I downloaded the spreadsheet and just selected the inner circle folks and and imported a bunch of a couple people did did ping me, but there were a few others who hadn't. Uh, either they didn't get around to it or 
they were just waiting, but um, they were finally imported today. They got the invite. We got about four or five, half a dozen people. Yeah, enter right. today. So you know, we we we've got over a hundred folks, and it's we're just before we get more, we'd like to because it, it's been over a year, and 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 you know, not that the inmates have taken over the asylum, but we've never really had any lockdown because everybody's been having fun. So we just want right. to try to smooth things out before more people come in, and it gets really chaotic. Right. Yeah, that is big facts. Uh, Here's another fact. Uh, Traditionally, Mm -hmm. this would be the part where I tell you about the specials at Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. But it's the end of the month, and uh, the specials are are soon to expire. So I wanted to fill the air with – give and maybe give back to our extended family who are so good to us by telling you about a Kickstarter that you should be checking out. It would make oh, me look at you. Yeah, Fill it would it, it would make me very very happy if I you would he- head on over to Kickstarter and check out from our brothers John Westhoff and Bob Gar Ornelas. Uh, there's a comic coming out, a one shot called CPS. That's Child Possession Services. What is it? Well, it's a 44 page one shot from John Westhoff and Bob Gar Ornelas uh, and more, and it says Connie Dar is burnt out. And not just because she works in social services. Connie works for the state agency assigned to help bedeviled children. Oh, that's a key word. Bedeviled children (laughs) remove and recover from unwanted spirits. The heat at her day job is only getting worse as incidents become more intense and her personal life goes to hell. Whoever wrote this copy is sharp as a friggin' tack because I see where they're going with it, right? But they did a great they did a great job. Um, I'm not going to mm-hmm. read you this URL for this Kickstarter because it's long and cumbersome. But go on the Kickstarter and just search for Child Possession Services Westhoff W E S T H O F F and uh, Bob Gar is probably the only Bob Gar on on Kickstarter. And yeah, throw some money at these guys because this book is, looks great. We got a little bit of a PDF preview, and we, we, we took a gander, and it looks wonderful. But that's Bob Gar, right? He's good at what he does. He uh, sure is. John, I don't know. But Bob Gar, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> so uh, don't make Bob Gar any sadder than he already is. Go to Kickstarter and check out Child Possession Services. CPS. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Crowd backer myself, yep. Nice. Go sign. There you, go. Go sign. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I love Kickstarter, but the verify that you're a human thing that they have now where you hold down on the 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 little widget and it says okay you're a human if you have ad blocker on it loops it you have to keep going through that thing over and over and over and over uh, so you got to turn the ad blocker off and it's small price to pay for great comics right or to have freedom. access yes for great comics but so there you go child possession services westoff ornelas get it do it up Ooh, sounds like you're drinking sounds, something. I was going to say, it sounded like you just took a sip of something. I did, yes. Uh, unfortunately, the wine has uh, been consumed. And I'm drinking from Saranac Brewing Company. This thing is called Session IPA. Uh, 4.7, it's a little bit wimpy, 4.7% <laughs> alcohol by volume. I, I was saying to Jason um, before when we were waiting for DAP to uh, connect that 
my brother-in-laws, my brothers-in-law, sorry, and I do a, a beer exchange for Christmas. And I'm thinking one of them just wanted to get rid of three cans of Saranac <laughs> Session IPA because it's a, it's a little lot. I mean, they, they named this co- correctly when they called it a pale ale because this, this bitch is pale. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, it's thin. And I don't know. I'm going to chalk it up to just somebody trying to get rid of old beer and not that the Saranac oh. Brewing Company is any any less wonderful than we've been led to believe. So whatever. I'm drinking beer. It's like, the, pow- beer. like the powder of beers. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a couple of McDonald's coffees upstairs that I can Oh, go. snap. I can get them. Don't make me get them. Mm. That's, that's a puzzlement. But okay. Um, <laughs> like you bought coffees from McDonald's and like – Stored them? Uh, whenever someone comes home from wherever they are, they'll ask me, hey, yes, do you want me to get yeah. you some coffee? And I'm like, well, shit, yeah. If I don't drink it now, I'll drink it tomorrow. Microwave and then you it? just microwave it or something? Yeah. Best coffee oh, okay. in the world. Cool, cool. Hey, man, I'll take your word for it. I would take McDonald's um, coffee over mm-hmm. that stuff with the cat poop in it any day. Wait, what, what stuff with the cat poop? They make the cats eat the coffee beans, and then they poop them out, and they make coffee out of the beans. Didn't you ever hear that? It was blogged uh, furiously. Yeah. That oh, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't in his type head. No, no. Nah, you know what? You should have put it in your pocket. It would have been there. <laughs> that was Palm Pilot Day. Son. No, no. <laughs> straight, straight, straight Newton up in here. Oh, yeah. My man, I had a, I had a Newton. Damn straight. Yeah. They fucking bomb. They were really nice. Yeah. Huge. Hell yeah. Deal. Well, thanks for asking, Vince. I'm drinking some <laughs> wine tonight, um, as I'm going to probably always be drinking now. Um, I'm drinking from uh, Noble Vines, uh, the 337 Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, like this Four out of five, maybe. Oh, really? That's pretty high. Nah, it's not that high, right? I mean, you expect... Like, if you're going to drink wine, it should be at least a... Like, right? Because, I mean... Anyway, it's fine. I mean, it's good. No, it's good. It's good. (laughs) Better than that swill I had last week, that's for sure. Which you gave to your wife anyway. I did. Nice. She actually liked it, so... She said I was out of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Uh, this is um, I'm, I, I got a little bit of Cabernet in this too. This is um, it's a fitty fitty blend. It's oh, fitty. A, nice. Um, that same vineyard I've been rocking, but this is uh, Telmo and Ruth. This is their Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot Reserva 2018 from Chile. And um, yeah, I, I remember reading off the back of this about Telmo and his heart and falling in love with the woman. So. Um, I don't know. There was, I, I wasn't, not that I'm, I'm, I'm really in the mood for any straight up Merlots these days, but, um, I figured the blend would be nice and, and it is, it is. I think I like the, the Carbonara a little more, but this is still, um, nice and easy. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. It, it, it feels right for tonight. It's fucking brick out and we're going to talk some turtles and some rabbits. So this is good. Right. Nice. Hey, before we do that, though, I'm going to let you finish, but before we do that, Dap, 
I gotta ask. It's I never thought about this until recently, but you know I'm all about this Star Trek Discovery life right now, and I'm loving do, it. Do do the Vulcans not have last names? No, they never really did. It was always Spock, Sarek, Paul. Right, but I'm saying, like, how how do they manage that? Like, with the entire planet full of people. Like, I know Brazil does that, but it's like kind of hard, right? <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it it's. Uh... Either I mean I'm sure people pass down names, but it's probably after someone has passed. Um, I don't, because yeah, even I mean you know Spock's mother's last name is Grayson, so I don't think he's ever really used Spock Grayson on his application yeah. Starfleet. It, it's um, it's not something I've ever really thought about because there aren't too many. Uh, there aren't too many species that um didn't in the Star Trek universe, other alien races that, uh, that usually rock the, the surname and it, it's yeah, no, but you're right. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're like, hob- are they like hobbits though? Do they know him as know. Spock, son of Sarek? Like that kind of deal? They might, they might. Yeah. Like the whole Conan days. Yeah. They probably could. Um, I it's, could, I could see that happening. All that really well, matters guess- in the present is your immediate, uh, predecessor, right? Yeah, so. the uh, so so you are into the second season, or you finished the second season? No, I'm 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 at the last episode I watched was when my girl Kima Greg showed up at the very end. Yeah, I dude, I like I said I've been I've been waiting. I was going to text that because I, I I had to I had to I had to go back and look at the Star Trek wiki because I'm like I wasn't sure how early in the season. She showed up, and when I wicked it, I was like, "Oh shit, she don't show up till the end." So I'm like, I'm, "I was, I was gonna say, yo, Sonny son, bro," and 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 I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 at, at, at first, like when they unveiled her, I'm looking at her, I'm like, I thought it was the same actress, you know, that plays Michael. I was like, oh, like they aged her. Yeah. And then she lifts her head up, and I'm like, because I was like, oh, they got she's wearing dreads now in the future. That's cool. And then I'm like, oh no, they didn't. I'm like, if McNulty's like a Klingon warlord, <laughs> like I'm, I'm this show's. OG best, but yeah, I'm so glad you're loving it though. I know, but now I'm getting to that like feeling like, damn, like there's only one more season. Like you know how when you, you dive into something, they realize yeah. it's going to end. Well, no, I mean, I know, I mean, like not going to end, but like I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna that's all we'll have. Yeah, um, I, I I cannot wait for you to watch the the, the third season. It, it it fucking blew me away. I'm I'm not experiencing it on your own, but it, it's um. Yeah, once you get caught up, because it's still fresh in my mind, um, we'll, we'll be able to chat about it. But it's it was it is it is absolutely one of the best. Be sixty years old, dude. Say what? I said, how about Michelle Yeoh being almost sixty years old? I know, and still kicking ass. It's crazy. It is. It is. But so does Vince. So it's all good. I am. Although, crazy. Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was twenty-one years ago, making me feel super old. Right. It so. was, and then she was she was in the James she was in Smart Never Dies, and then and she then, was the mom in Crazy Rich Asians. That was she. Yeah. Yep. Oh shit. Scusa. Let me scusa. Yep. Book of the month. Oh, we're doing uh, that. My bad. You know what? It's all right. Gotcha. Hey, oh my goodness. Let us gather to talk about this book of the month as you, the patrons, have chosen. It is uh, Usaki Yojimbo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the complete collection, published by... What? Edging out the wind, we should add. 
yeah. this month. Well, well, we'll get to that. Published by Dark Horse, written by Stan Sakai and Peter Laird, illustrated by Stan Sakai and Peter Laird. And uh, it was um, neck and neck for a while, wasn't it? It was, yeah, because it it wasn't the, um, this book was not the clear front runner out the gate. It was, um, things danced around a little bit. It, it came back and it was still neck and neck for those few days, but, um, and then it, it got ahead. It looked like the second place winner was still getting close, but, um, in the end, once, uh, once the time limit hit. It uh, was last man standing. So, but it was it was tight. I was I was a little I, I was kind of excited. I I mean I would have been happy to read anything here, but I was like either way we would have won. Uh, I feel, but um, but yeah, it was it was somewhat surprising. It was it was probably one of the most surprising wins since we've been doing the book of the month. It's um, only because of how it how it ended up. I, I'm not surprised that it won. I'm surprised that it. how the race was going Mm -hmm. and when it ended up winning nice so what are we doing for february do we know yet are we just gonna do another you pick them are we gonna throw something at them uh tender and loving as uh, the month of february traditionally is i don't know like we can do booster gold and blue beetle do they have a booster and blue beetle trade I Bro, think. we just did a Booster Gold Book of the Month. We did, yeah. It doesn't matter to me. But not okay. a Booster and Beetle, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I get it. But maybe we'll figure do a out. list. We'll figure it out off air. Yeah. But anyway, so so here's the deal. Why I said that that uh, this uh, Usagi Yojimbo TMNT collection has been around the block. There are no less than four publishers involved in this thing. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse published the collection and was the home of Usagi for a good amount of time but usagi at least the ongoing really started at fanographics and then you had uh the birthplace of usagi which was mirage with mm-hmm. the you know turtle soup and, and shell shock and there's an idw one shot in here the the only one that's in color so it's like there like there's a lot of different publishers contributing to this very delicious pot and uh, mm-hmm. Jason always asks what he asks, and I'm going to let him do it. I do. Uh, what What was your first exposure to this? Were you when did you first read it, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Well, uh, I'm not speaking speaking for that, but I was in. A, no, I'm asking you. Yeah, right, yeah. I was in on the ground floor of Turtles, so Turtle Soup and, and Shell Shock are my my first i don't know if the usagi no it doesn't uh the usagi issues at fanographics i believe came after shell shock i think i don't know i don't know the timeline but i was there even for the fanographics issues it's when usagi moved to uh dark horse that i kind of fell off Mm -hmm. and now that he's at idw i haven't read it in in years Mm -hmm. how about you dap uh, this was this was pretty much my first time reading these stories. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with Usagi showing up here and there, but um, he's he's a character I own. For, I, I don't believe I own any stories of uh, featuring him. I've have old issues of of Turtles. They've had you know future toy. I, I have I've had Turtles crossing over with other. Or the creator, or the character showing up in the old Mirage book, but um, 
never read the uh, never read these stories before before this week. Yeah, same as these. Probably not surprising, but yep, this is uh, this is all new material for me. So, um, I always like when we get to do a book of the month. That's that's filling out my 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 reading resume, as it were. Yeah, and it wasn't really a whole bunch of heavy lifting, right? Um, no, no. I think this is a really probably one of the faster reads we've ever had. But both because the page count was small, but also, you know, it's it's um it's relatively straightforward, good stuff. But it doesn't. You know, there's not a ton of words on the page. It doesn't require you to decipher what's going on. So, yeah, I thought it was a very stress stress free, quick, enjoyable read. Well, yeah. up in, up until um, the last story, the Namazu, they could have called this Usagi Yojimbo meets Leonardo because yeah. that, yeah. that you know many of the stories yeah. that's basically what it is. Well, no, sh- Shades of Green, the first the first three, the the. Um... Oh right, shades of green is when it gets shades a little weird because that's when because that's I mean we're jumping ahead but but that's that's when yeah that that's when all four are called and then but he the, still recognizes Leonardo he's still, right Leo and, and Usagi recognize each other it wasn't until Namazu that I we'll get into it when we get into it but I I, I loved the way they approached that but but uh, but yeah it really was it was just it was straight up just. And I wonder, I, I, I wonder, I don't think he mentions it in the, uh, no, Peter doesn't mention it, but I, I wonder why Leo was chosen, Is uh, maybe the swords, I, it'd be cool to see, you know, the sword fight happen, um, and and Leo is the more, is, is even keeled in that regard, Raph is a little headstrong, and um, it's it works to have Leo beating Usagi, but um, it was weird that it was always only just Leo and and it's one of those like insider jokes between the two of them where it's you again and 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 each each story is is standalone but I I love the fact that there were still there there were some sli- and and they tell you in the editor's notes but there were yes there were remembrances there were you know there were callbacks to the previous adventures but uh you didn't necessarily if I didn't read um if I didn't read Turtle Soup and Rabbit Stew, or The Crossing, and I read The Treaty, I'd still be fine. Right. There was a couple of things that really struck me uh, from this volume, and not a lot of it has to do with the actual stories. It's more more about the... the uh, well, I shouldn't say that, but it, it it's more uh, uh, noticing things about the form than the function. Like... I think uh, that first story, especially the influence of Sergio on Stan Sakai, is like super profound. Yes, I agree. And for those who don't know, Stan Sakai was the letterer uh, for many years on uh, Sergio and Mark Evanier's uh, "Grew the Wanderer." So he was—they were buddies. Um, and another thing that really struck me was just how important Peter Laird was to the the dynamic duo of Eastman and Laird. Uh, Peter's definitely the brains. That goes without saying. But <laughs> um, the the artifice behind his work, like in in the story where that uh, with Usagi that he wrote and drew, uh, and he does use the the duo tone, the craft tint paper. 
uh, technique, but wow, it's cinematic. It's it's mm-hmm. nuanced. It's yeah, it's it, beautiful. Yeah, it's very subtle, and uh, there there are really bursts of elegance to it. But I got to give Kevin his props because Kevin was the street level of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like he actually made the gritty. Uh, long shadowed, uh, you know, alleyways and all that stuff. He really made that mm-hmm. work. So it, it is a two headed beast, but, um, you could see where the, the, uh, the careful planning and the nuance came from. Definitely from Peter. Right, right. Yeah, I always, I, it, it's weird. And I, I, I don't really have any, basis in thinking this but when i do think of of eastman and and laird i kind of know i feel like i I know who it's like when when you read a book when you read fantastic four or those early x-men issues and it's by stan and jack you know who does who what obviously but but even with with the early turtle stuff i kind of feel where and i think it's apparent in in later years when when you see them work on the characters separately um, what Peter's involvement was, and what he brought to the table, and and then and, and and what what Kevin added, and um, I think for some reason I feel Peter's thoughtful is the wrong word, but but I, I I think Peter has a plan, and Kevin. Kevin's art is is they they absolutely work well together as as an art team, but um, I don't know why I've always felt that. Um, I guess with Laird is 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 the substance and and Eastman is the style. Well, Kevin's more impulsive, much more impulsive than Peter, right? Which is yes, which is why I think that. And I don't I don't understand why Peter didn't draw more because even when the the uh infamous parting of the ways occurred and peter launched volume four he did it with jim lawson like i love jim lawson i think lawson's amazing but if peter was uh, because peter's so formidable with a pencil like why didn't maybe he just choose to to draw it and write it himself maybe he didn't want to i don't know maybe he just because jim jim was was his strength uh, yeah, but Jim did all the the tales of the TMNT books. So they were they were buddies and partners for a long not partners, but they they were working partners for a long long time, right? So I get it why, you know, and I I I love Volume 4. I think it's it's one of my favorite runs of all time because of that Lawson uh Laird pairing. But you look at this story that Peter drew and wrote in this and it's like, man, you got chops. You got like formidable uh, skill my friend yeah i gotta say i mean no disrespect to eastman uh at all but i i thought the same thing and seeing this this particular story i thought man i I, i'd like to have seen more layered drawn turtles yeah you know we should probably say because we're kind of going off on a tangent that this collection collects it's really like it's almost like the tale of two 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 eras because it's it's got the the six page story it starts off with a six page story from 87 um which is the turtle soup and rabbit stew drawn by stan then it's an eight page story called the crossing which is what we're talking about now which is by peter then there's a 10 page story called the treaty 
by Stan, and that is from 1993. And then the last two, Shades of Green, is like a 25, 26-page story, maybe longer. And then Namazu is like 40-plus pages, and those are from 2017 and 2018. So this is very much like a generational gap. Yeah. Yeah, because it is it's 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 the early stuff and then the last story is is uh is when they were well as it's like to remind us, licensed to IDW by oh, yeah. Nickelodeon. So they were different turtles, which which they which they explain in the story where he says, Oh, you you're not because because they they see Usagi and they're ready to throw down and, and Usagi's not sure like what the hell's going on, but it's explained that um that no no these these are not um the these aren't art these aren't my turtles they're from an alternate reality mm. and I was like motherfucker that's so slick because obviously um, but you're leaving the best part out they have the colored bandanas they, yes and, but but it's also it's it's the it's the only story. In color, well, so yeah, they but do have the colored bandana. But I'm pretending in the other stories that they all have red on. Oh, they all have red, absolutely. Yeah, the old yeah. story, yes, without right. a doubt. If it's in black and white, I just see red. It, right. that, that, that's all there is to it. But yeah, yeah it's it's um, it was. It, I I I thought that that was knowing, that, and I mean, not even getting into Stan's subtle art style changes as 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 he matured as as an artist from from 1987 to. To thirty years later, but um, yeah, when uh, I mean, because at first when we first see um, Kakara in Shades of Green, I'm like, why is Splinter here? But we haven't seen the turtles yet, and everything everything just starts to make sense and gets explained, and it's great. And then and then you know, Stan brings these characters back, and then it's that that is it's it's like you know, Shades of Spider Verse, where it's just we're going to have them team up again. But and that, and and when I was reading this, Vince, this is what I wanted to ask you. It, knowing that you know you've read the IDW run, um, and I've got to it very late. Has is the IDW stuff completely different from the Mirage stuff? Do they not recognize anything that happened in the past? Is it considered an alternate reality? How do they explain the change, or do they? The origin is different. Yeah. Um... Because he says here, because they say here, alien goo, and I'm like, no, it's it's the isotope that turned Matt Murdock blind. But it's so the or, so the origin is different from the Mirage to the IDW stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it might as well be the same, but there are there are not so subtle tweaks to it. Um, they are like in the the OG Mirage stuff, the turtles were just turtles, and and yep. Splinter was just a rat. Yeah. Uh, in the IDW stuff, and I think it's a better origin. The turtles are actually brothers reincarnated into the 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 souls of the turtles, and Splinter, the rat, is actually their father. I love that origin. I think that's perfect. I mean, they've they've been hammering that over and over. Like read Splinter in Hell. Like there's a lot of that towards the at the in the Wachter run where they 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 make uh specific allusions to the uh Donnie and Mike they're all brothers and when they say father that he is their father okay yeah okay. I think that's just an amazing way to do it like it, it's like Stephen King's The Mist 
right? Where you, you read the original and it's like, yeah, that's, I love this. It's, it's really great. But then you see the movie and you're like, shit, this ending's even better. Like, why didn't, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, uh, I think this little tweak that they made to the origin in the IDW and Kevin had his hand in it. So it's okay. Right. Um, if, if you have one of the pair thumbprint it and, and, you know, his blessing, and he probably even came up with it. I would, I don't know. I think, you know, you got Tom Waltz in there and everybody else at, at IW who has worked on the book over the period of time. I think it's a great twist that they're actually blood. You know, they're, yeah. they were a family in the OG, but now yeah. they're, now they're bound by blood. I mean, they are, right. and they were killed in, in a very, uh, uh, I don't want to spill the beans because you'll you'll eventually read it. But they right. they were dispatched in a very uh, violent uh, way, so mm-hmm. they've they've come back to avenge. It's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing too uh, to people that haven't seen this or read it for this discussion, I mean, I would go so far as to say this is pretty much a Stan Sakai book. I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. there are eight pages drawn by Peter Laird. <laughs> Everything else in the book is drawn by Stan, right? So. Um, but how no, powerful- I have no problem with with them getting credit because obviously it's, I mean it, it's very much is every story does have the turtles in it. But but I I mistakenly assumed, uh, shame on me, that this would be a mix of stories and 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 whatnot drawn by Sakai, Laird, and Eastman um, over the course of, the, of of the years. But it, it is not that. Yeah. Well, it does say on the cover by multiple Eisner and Harvey Award winner Stan Sakai. And it, with an intro by Peter, but yeah, it is. It, it does say. Stan oh, Sakai. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, no, like you, Jason. I mean, aside from his name on the cover, I would think if I'm going to see a collection with these two characters, with these two franchises, that that I would think that everybody because it, it it this is this is the epitome of, of of the indie creator boom. I mean, this is these are big names that brought new characters to 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 the black and white indie scene mm-hmm. and. Um, I expected to see more, um, more Eastman and Laird and, and I mean, not just Laird, but it, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not upset with it. I just, I, right. I had assumptions, which were silly on my part. And again, had I read, had, if I was aware, if I had paid, if I remembered my amazing hero previews and, and things like that, I'd probably remember that, um, that no, there wasn't a whole lot of anyone other than Stan working on these stories, but mm. uh, it was a pleasant surprise. I, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I was just, I was surprised just because of of my own expectations. Yeah, same. same. And it, it's kind of prescient that we're doing this book of the month because very soon on Netflix we'll be able to see Rabbit Samurai: The Usagi Chronicles, which is awesome because I was thinking. Uh, when we when this got voted uh, or selected rather that it's a shame that Stan never caked up in the way that Eastman and Laird did. I mean those guys got like life changingly wealthy off of turtles, and I'm not yeah. saying they certainly deserved it. And uh, I but the way the way Netflix throws money around, I'm sure Stan's doing all right with this deal. Right, but from what I heard, um, the scuttlebutt back in the day was that. They were all friends, right? Uh, Eastman, Laird, and Stan, they were buddies. Yep. And I heard that Stan did very well from the Playmates Usagi action figure. Yes. Yeah. And he, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. I mean, yeah. He, he, um, let's see. He, he actually says it. Um, 
And to go along with his animated appearances, Usagi has also joined the Turtles in the various Playmates toys, action figure lines, where, as with the comics and the animated series, he fits in quite nice. I mean, yeah, he doesn't doesn't talk about the finances, but he does mention that, you know, the in the intro that, uh, you know, Usagi's pretty much been linked with Turtles uh, for a very, very, very long time because they're the team-ups, uh, aside from the comics, Usagi appeared in two episodes of the original cartoon, made several exciting appearances in the second animated series, which began in 2003. Uh, then uh, he, and I have those still on the DVR, he has also shown up in the third animated Turtles Nickelodeon series. So, yeah. um, and there's more than one uh, Usagi action figure. There was a space Usagi, and mm-hmm. I, I, I believe yeah. Panda Khan is Stan's character, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, he they rewarded him uh, as they should have because I mean back then, uh, what's uh, indecent proposal where she's on the bench, she's throwing the money up in the air. Like I can only imagine back in the day how the, you know the garbage bags full of money were probably flowing into to Turtle mm. Turtle Central. They made a lot of money off this or from this, rightly so. Right? They were smart enough. And and tough enough to to not sign it over to anybody, and kudos to them. Ah, yeah, it all crumbled and went downhill, but <laughs> entropy affects everything, right? You can't expect the golden age to last forever. But uh, it was awesome when it was happening, right? For sure, yeah, too true. Uh, and Dap said it. it; took the words right out of my mouth, like meatloaf. That uh, I think this book works really well when viewed as a uh, maturization of Stan Sakai's style. He's good in the first story. I, it's, it's fun and it's indie and it's very much influenced by Sergio uh, Aragonez. But when you get to that last story, it's like, wow, mm-hmm. you get to see the development of a, a major, major artist over you know the course of time. It's, you don't. Uh, you're not born with your your visual voice. You have to develop it, and that's what we get to see yeah. here in this uh, this book. And it's great. Um, I, I uh, conceptually, I love the fact that it, the last one's in color. Yeah, it, it, that works mm-hmm. really well for me. But um, I don't think we got to go too deep. Uh, what were you going to no. say? I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say just um, just for just to follow up on what you were saying about PandaCon. Uh, PandaCon was actually created by um, Dave Garcia and Monica Sharp. Oh. And oddly enough, they just sold the rights to another studio for an Amazon Prime original series called Action Mice. No way. Yeah. How does that work? That's awesome. Yeah. So. All right. I stand corrected. That's cool. It's cool, though. Yeah. Um, th- a lot of these stories are basically, uh, I don't want to say one note, but um leonardo falls into a dimensional rift and and finds himself in feudal japan where he meets usagi yojimbo and um you know it, it's like the classic marvel team up or, or or the the marvel approach to two heroes meeting where they they butt heads initially and at the end they're like hey you're not so bad you know uh we had a good time so i mean the first couple of stories are are they're light and um, easily digestible. It's like when we get to the treaty, that's when things start to, the, the narrative starts to develop, right? 
where um, a lot of it focuses on the uh, the, um, the main antagonist in a lot of these stories is the the uh, Nico Ninja Clan, and of course Nico is um, Japanese for cat. So uh, you have Which this. Makes sense. Yeah, because they're all cats, right? Exactly. Um, in the treaty, there's uh, two um, two lords, Noriyuki and Fujitako, and they want to make uh, an alliance, right? Things are, are getting heated. Um, uh, there, there's there's plans being drafted for uh, a meeting of the the mines and. Um, this uh, Lord Hijiki or Hakiji, sorry, he's not having it. He doesn't want the alliance between these two lords, so he he throws the the Neko clan into the mix to to stir up some shit, right? And Usagi is the one delivering the alliance proposal, um, and Leonardo just kind of like stumbles upon the. Uh, the endeavor and helps out the way he can um there's a a nice little twist in this and the usagi is ambushed and uh they they uh, the the nico clan takes a, a young girl uh hostage and threaten to kill her unless usagi uh fesses up with the uh, the document and he reluctantly, oh, no, you got me now. You better just take it. And he gives them the document. And they leave, uh, not having killed the girl, Tomoe. And uh, it appeared it, it, there was a, a little bait and switch going on that uh, the document that Usagi had was uh, indeed a uh, a fake. And it was Tomoe that had the real document, the young girl. So it was planned from the get-go that they would use her as bait. Because she's formidable, she can take care of herself, and um, it's basically the treaty. It's a neat little uh, switcheroo story that it just plays upon the two stories that um, preceded it. In the fact that Leonardo and Usagi get along really well together. That I mean, what you know, it's a it's a finely tuned instrument. What more do you need to know? It it plays wonderfully. Everything mm-hmm. act. I'm confused by something in that story, which is that uh, Kakara obviously is a rat, looks just like Splinter. The turtles call him Splinter when they venture, and I found out that Kakara is Japanese for Splinter. But like, was this a rights thing? Like, did like like is that like is this in continuity as Splinter, or is I'm, I'm confused as to like what Splinter was? I'm not quite sure. I understand how he fits in, other than like, oh, that's cool, that's Splinter. I don't quite get it. Are oh, you talking about Shades of Green? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I always took it to be nudge nudge wink wink Splinter, but by another name, which he's not Splinter, obviously, because Splinter doesn't have magic powers. Splinter can't. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, Splinter can't summon the turtles from the you know right. the, the souls of regular. T- I don't know. But apparently, Kakara is Japanese for Splinter. Right, right, and I. Yeah. It, it's it was a cute little wink, but I never took it yeah. to be Splinter. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe an ancestor, like 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 DC likes to do with their legacy characters. Oh yeah. But, um. I know. Yeah. It was just. I. I just thought it was a um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a. So cute- it seems a lot meaner. Yeah, he didn't take any shit. He's just like, God damn it, we got we got something to do. 
Why are you touching my belly? <laughs> but even yeah. like, but even when they summon the turtles, um, one of them says, "Look, it's Master Splinter, right?" Right, because he just does. Yeah, he does. It's just like I mean, maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're specious and, and they think all rats look alike. But oh it damn! Does, uh, you, it, I it think is. I like the I like the idea of like you said it being an ancestor. Yeah, right. a mystic ancestor. But I mean, it's it's telegraphed. The shading technique that Stan uses on on Kakara's head that's straight Eastman. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the way Eastman uh, and Laird depicted Splinter. So it, it was it, it was disturbingly intentional, but yeah. I don't think it's no. Yeah, it's not Splinter. Right. But uh, so let's talk on it or speak on it. Shades of Green. The the um, it was it, it, it's 1993, so it is it's you know we're 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 half a dozen or so years after the first Usagi. And and Leo meet up, um, but obviously Stan's style changed a little bit. I mean, it's not as 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 fluid and and open as we get later, but um, there was because I, I that was as, as because the stories are easy to consume and they're not heavy. I was able to spend a lot more time focusing on the amount of of cross hatching, how how thick the lines are, what. Um, how much detail is in the background? How how packed he is? He's packing the panels uh, with as much information as opposed to, I mean, not that there's a lot of detail to put in when when you're sword fighting in an open field by the river, but um, he's there's there's huts and shacks and and people are living their lives and or animals are living their lives. Um, it was it it was neat. As someone who isn't so fluent in Stan's work, with with my lack of being aware of it so much, um, I had fun just looking at his style changes over the years. For sure. And is there anything? Do you guys ever read an interview or know why um, Stan put the the Tokaje, the baby dinosaurs, in in the in the book? That's a um, like Hitchcock likes to do walk ons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a Stan Sakai trope. They're, those little dinosaurs are in a lot of things that he's done. I yeah, even think they're in just because he thinks they're cute, or I mean, they're like I don't. That's know. just his thing. I don't know. Uh, just, yeah. They appear even in in Gru the Wanderer. There are places where the little dinosaurs mm-hmm. would just pop up in there. Yeah, um, no, nah, I just I just thought it was a Stan thing. Got it. It's like his mascot. You know, it's like almost like Simonson's yeah. signature come to life. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so shades of green. Uh, you have Usagi and his buddy uh, Jen. They're again. They're fighting the the Nico clan. He's a, a rhino. Yeah, those don't know. And they meet uh, Kakara. He's got his horn cut off. Do you know what's up with that? Hmm. I don't remember why. He's just he's battle damaged. Seriously, dude yeah. loses his horn. That's like that's like becoming like uh, Varus. It's like becoming a eunuch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, what's least, a rhino without his horn? It's like at least he's alive, though. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, he's still breathing. So uh, they cross paths with uh, Kakara, which is uh, a, a like a look for Master Splinter. Um, and, and you have these these two uh, high ranking uh, officers in the Nico clan. You have uh, Gunji and Chizu. Right? They're both chewing in. In, in the Nico clan, and they're at each other's throats because the 
the the Nickel Clan has kind of taken a dive in in stature or their their ranking, so to speak. They're not as they're they're not thought as formidable as they used to be, and they're like, you know, we got to do something because shit shit's going down. Um, the uh, they have a patron, uh, Lord Hikiji. And they need to show him that the clan is still formidable, that the, the, the Nickel clan still has the things that uh, are required to get the job done, right? So they say, hmm, this Kakara cat is, is pretty damn powerful. Like, he could do amazing things. Let's add him to the uh, Nickel clan forces. But in order to do that, they have to, they have to capture Kikara, and it just so happens that Kikara's holed up in this village, and they have uh, their druthers to go in and kill everybody and just just take Kikara. But it gets a little bit complicated when Usagi um, and Jen show up. That muddies the water. But then Kikara takes four little ordinary turtles from the river and does this little hoodoo thing, uh, magic, and they bec- they become the, the 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 souls and bodies of our teenage mutant ninja turtles. Mm-hmm. It's and it's I, it's crazy. I, I love the fact that the uh, the Komori ninja clan, who's the one that are gaining favor, are bats. Love that. You know what? Yeah, yeah, but it's weird though. You know what Komori means in Japanese? Baby, right? Babysitter. Babysitter, right? So I don't get it. How how are like Nico is cat? That makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Komori, mm-hmm. it's not bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Well, uh, well, but it, it, I think visually the Komori are cool. Who doesn't totally. love? I mean, if if you're a Grant Morrison fan, <laughs> the, these guys are going to turn you on because it's much more of the the same uh, like. Um, the uh, the ninja uh, man bats that Morrison used in uh, his run, which is really cool. Oh, Vince, I got your answer, buddy. What's this? Uh, Bat in Japan is Komori. It's it's with a U though, so I think it's just probably a translation, like a a bastardization of the name. But no kidding. K- yeah, it's K O U M O R I is the English version of the Japanese word for bat. Because I asked Mia, I said, well, "Okay, that's maybe I didn't pronounce it right." Because there's a lot of Google. difference between an O and a U. Google Translate, can I tell you? Oh, yeah. I went to the, the human source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there you go. makes more sense now. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a little passage in here that has some foreshadowing because uh, uh, Chizu and Usagi uh, get into the thick of things and she ends up kissing him because he's a big, cute rabbit and he's irresistible and, you know. Hell <laughs> yeah. Right, I you know, I'm not saying nothing. You, you do what you want to do. Uh, it's a cool story, but again, like these are not going to uh, tax you mentally. They're just they're fun little parable. It's much like Lone. Well, it doesn't have the nuance of Lone Wolf and Cub, but the setups are mu- very much like Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I think in Shades of Green, um, I, I I don't know. I think I think Stan does a disservice to the way he draws the turtles relative to the way he draws the other characters. Huh, you think? I, I don't think they have much personality. Like, wow. particularly in the Splash, when they first appear, I think they all have the same face. They all... I don't know. Well, 
there are those that would argue they should all have the same face. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. You know. The only I way mean, let's you're supposed I think to be smart. Able- I was just going to say the smartest thing that they ever did commercially was giving them all different colors, right? Like yes, like commercially, yeah. yeah. But, commercially, yeah. But the only way you're really supposed to be able to tell them apart is with the weapons. Uh not necessarily. Is the color the green? Well, the way, yes. Well, if you if you're reading them or you're, you're but but if if you're just if you're looking at a promo image and it's just the four of them in silhouette, right? And, they or, or they're just drawn in in black and white. They're all going to pretty much look identical. You're not going to see any shading differences. Right. You're not going right. to hear them speak or see them speak. Um, you only supposed to know that Leo's got the katanas and and Mikey's got the nunchucks. Otherwise, it's like there's no way. Yes, until. Until the cartoon came out, until Playmates made the toys, you really didn't know. And then, of course, then they get shaded lighter gray, lighter green to darker green. Each one. Um, I but, think. I think Mezco did a set of turtles that they all have the red bandanas. Just that the red, right? Yeah, I think you're right. And then they, then they did. Those. They did one in color, and then they did one in grayscale. Yes, I think it's Mezco. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I need those. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's I got them. Yeah, it is. I need that like I need the Matt Tracker GI Joe figure. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Dude, that thing's like ninety bucks on the eBay. Is that a new one from the? the well, new... It was one from like a few of the years ago when they were doing the convention ones. Oh, so I don't know how many they made when they make a thousand of them. I mean, tops yeah. maybe not even that many. I don't. I don't know. You know, it's ridiculous. These conventions, like. I, for a long time, I was keeping up on the Transformers and, and trying to, to get, like, the BotCon things. And it's just, after a while, it's like they started putting out comics that were only available at the convention. It's like, fuck this. It's too much work. Yeah. It's way too much work. You, you could, there's no way that you can keep up on a, a series, especially one as, uh, you know, uh, well-loved mm-hmm. as G.I. Joe and Transformers. Like, stop. Yeah, it's a money pit. Just ask Chris Revkin; he'll tell you. Yeah, and the fact that he buys Joes and Transformers, it's like, dude, just I, dude, know. Yeah, I don't have enough pain <laughs> with the one. Give me two. My man could have used some GameStop stock this this week. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I love the artwork. I mean, I have to say, I, I know that uh, Brian Clark's probably dying for us to talk more about the artwork here, being that Usagi and Stanner is people's. I, I, I mean, I've read a little Usagi, and unlike Dap, I actually own a lot of Usagi because I've bought like all the nice Arcava collected editions over the years, like when they reprinted nice. this. But I just haven't dug in, you know, and um, which is one of the reasons I was really stoked that we this got got the pick. Um, and I just love the art. Like I can, like I love the art from the start. I, like you said, I mean, the beginning is is much more of Aragones and and their squatter, simpler line. Uh, and it evolves, and you see it evolve in the book, which is neat. But I, I love it. I, I love, I love the expressiveness. I love the action, the posing. I, I just think it's great. I can see why the dude's been a fixture in people's favorite cartoonists for thirty yeah. plus, going on forty years. Yeah. Um, I like when he opens it up in uh, in the last story. Like usually, he'll Stan has a tendency to do you know five six panels per page. But towards the end, there are parts of the towards the last story. There's parts of the narrative that he'll he'll switch to three panels a page. Then there's some with two. And then there's like double page spreads. Like I think the yeah. double page spread is a at least from my experience that's a Sakai rarity. Like he and then to do two double page spreads in a row, yeah. In the last, like it's that's just nuts. 
Um, uh, he, you could tell how nuanced he is where he knows when to do Usagi's eyes as dots. And then he mm-hmm. knows how to switch them up to full-on eyeballs with pupils. And yeah. uh, in very certain, very particular circumstances will he do that. And I think it works really well. Well, you know, uh, Usagi will be mad or um, druggy or not druggy, but um, uh, groggy. And the eyes will uh, reflect yeah. that. Or, yeah, I, I, Surprise. Usagi's all in the eyes. And I know that's yeah. a, not to say yeah. that. There's more to Usagi going on than his eyes. But I think the eyes are very, very expressive on Usagi. Yeah. And and to the earlier discussion we were having about you saying that, uh, you know, they changed the the origin and all that and, and, and everything once they moved over to IDW, like um, – I mean, you get a sense for that in in the last story, right? Because in in a way, it's it's pretty much like it's it's pretty much a redo of the prior story. It's at the start, even to the point where you've got you've got them sitting around a fire and him doing incantations and saying the same words and then pulling the the turtles in. Only this time, the turtles don't know where the fuck they are. They don't they don't know who Usagi is. But Usagi's like, "Don't you recognize me, like mm-hmm. Leo? Like don't like." And it turns out that they explain it is that they're from a different universe. This is a yep. different set of turtles. So it's almost like they're like acknowledging, like, "Hey, this is this is almost like the the first of the uh, new Star Wars movies. It was really it was like adjacent to a remake of the originals, but it was also its own thing. Like that's kind of yeah. what this is. It's yeah. If it wasn't if, if Spock wasn't the if, if the elder Spock wasn't the connector, they 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 could exist on their own. But here, yeah, yeah. Usagi Usagi is the constant. Uh, care is, is the constant there it's their reality it's their world they mm-hmm. pulled the turtles from a different place than the tur- and i and and you know so as far as and and you know usagi's like me i have no idea where the original turtles are so it's it's because when the our series ended i guess that was it and the pose is very similar uh when they when he summons the uh, the the turtles the the when they pop into that reality, the poses in both yeah. stories is very very similar. It's not yep. the same turtles, I don't think in each position, but it's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's nice some nice conceptual continuity. It may be it may be the same pose. I'm going back between the two, and you have Bo Staff, uh, Mikey's on the right. Um, and no, because it looks like the bu- no, like Mike, Le- Leo and, and Mikey are switched. Okay, Mikey's, yeah, Mikey's ready to. Mikey's in action, whereas in in the last story, he's uh, he's crouched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So similar, but not exact, which is great. Um, and then in the back of the book, you get uh, a wealth. And I know Jason read all this and, and went through it all. Oh, you know me with the back matter. I was right? about, about it. Sorry. You get notes and drawings and thumbnails and page layouts and, and character designs. and. I mean, it's, it almost feels like it's half the book of just... Oh, it's a lot of pages, dude. I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jason should have been thrilled with the, uh, the Moleskine scans. Yeah, I mean, I skimmed the back matter, like, just, like, just to see what was going on, and I... It's kind of cool. Like I definitely like the roughs and the notes and stuff. Like that's all neat. I like seeing the the roughs to finished pages. You know, as an away wonk for sure. Yeah. So it's cool. I mean, as far as back matters go, it's it's definitely some high quality back matter. Yeah, 
I love the covers because they depicted or they showed two of my all-time favorite covers, the Turtle Soup number one, which was done by Bissette and Eastman. I love that cover. Yes. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then the A.C. Farley cover for Shell Shock is so subtle. Uh, you really got to get your, your nose in there to see what's going on in the, in the foreground with the turtles and, and Splinter. But mm-hmm. it, it's just a beautifully painted image. I love it. And, and atypical from what the approach Mirage was taking back then in their covers. It's just great. The, uh, you know what that turtle soup cover reminds me of? What's that? Marvel Fanfare number one. Oh, with the, uh, yeah. With the Michael Golden. Uh, yeah, a little bit. The, yeah. A little bit. Yep, you're right. Um, but yeah, the, the the covers are great. I mean, you see the before and after, either the layouts and the inks and colors. Um, I I I love that, and it's one of those cases where, um, yeah, it, it's it's like when you get a collection and you know you decided not to spring for the fifteen different variants, but they're all they're all included in the back of that deluxe edition. So it's nice to see what else um, was offered without having to. Spend all that extra money, but this was, this really is. It, it, it's a fun, neat collection. I, I think it's um, even if it's not something you may revisit for the stories, I'd probably revisit it from time to time just to look at the the line work. But it, it's absolutely worthy of being on your shelf. Yeah, I agree. I agree too. And um, I don't want to anybody, uh, especially Kevin, to think that I'm dumping on him. When I said that Peter was the more elegant, and it, it's obvious he is the more elegant, but I, I love Kevin Eastman's uh, visual uh, voice as well, and, and sure. I think mm-hmm. uh, I, in in a lot of ways I like Kevin more than Peter uh, mm-hmm. because I, I I I love the rough street um, graffiti tinged uh, style that Kevin has. So yeah, they're, they're, they both have their strengths, but uh, because we didn't see as much layered, uh, at least in the driver's seat, as far as the visuals go, the turtles will always be Kevin's baby to me, because Kevin is the the he's the voice of those early that early run. Uh, you know, Peter inked him and did a lot of the layouts and stuff, but I, I think it's Kevin that really has uh, captured. You know, what when I think about my love for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's as far as the visuals go, it's it's Kevin, right? Sure, yeah, I will agree. I think that uh, that that my mind takes me to Kevin's visual versions of them more than Peter. Yeah, fair, fair or not, that's yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought this was great, and I thought it was, and I appreciated that it wasn't. This wasn't like a worn piece of comics, you know. It was. Fun and quickly digestible, and every page was entertaining. But I didn't have to sit there and decipher it, right. think through the deeper meaning. It was great. Yeah, yeah. didn't have to come in worrying about you know years of history. It was just totally you, you hit yep. the ground running because I mean you're introduced and you're able to get caught up quickly. It, it's yep. it's a solid package. I'm 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 really pleased with it. Yep. I totally so agree. Go. Totally agree. Yep, yep, yep. So well done, patrons. Yeah, I thanks. You guys did a good job. Yo, and uh, stick around because we don't know what's coming up next month for the the BOTM, <laughs> but but I'm sure something will be uh, there to whet your uh, appetites. Yep, yep.
Yes, sir. Nice. So uh, we got other stuff to talk about? Sure. Got tons of other stuff. I I got a shout out to another very high quality Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles artist alum. What's this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on my list. Well, our good friend, our good friend Dave Wachter. Yep. His latest project dropped. And it is Iron Fist, Heart of a Dragon, number one, by Marvel it Comics. Looks so good. It does. It's um, it's an odd duck of a of a book, right? In that it's it's written by Larry Hama. Yep. I would love to hear from Dave how this came about because Larry hasn't done work for Marvel that I know of in a minute, and he's been writing, as I mentioned a week or two ago, the continued. Like pick up where we left off gig at uh, on on GI Joe where he's been writing for over a hundred issues that series again. Um, but I don't know that. Do you, do you got, I don't remember the last time I saw Larry Hama do a big two book. Do you? Oh no! It's been a minute either way, so yeah. I'm not sure how this came about. But then I read the issue, and it is. I mean, it's a really bizarre thing because it is, as far as I can tell, a direct sequel of sorts to Iron Fist, the living weapon. The Carrie Andrews book, right? Yeah. The yeah, Carrie Andrews book. Building. Yes. I got yeah. that. Too. Yeah. So like, so for people who don't know what we're talking about in 2014, there was Iron Fist, the living weapon miniseries, which was written and drawn by Carrie Andrews. It's a funky book. I don't remember. If we, I guess we didn't talk about it. Maybe we did. I don't remember if we talked about it, but it was a funky book. I'm not even sure. I guess it was in continuity to an extent, but it wasn't anything like it wasn't in current continuity. It was it right. was like, you know, its own story. Um, and it was fine. I don't remember being blown away by it. But I also I kind of like Carrie, like Carrie Andrews. So I wasn't it was fine. Just one of those stories that you read and like, OK, cool, we'll move on. So this seems like it's a it's a, um, and honestly, probably the reason that I think that is that that was part of the all new Marvel now. And then. And then we got the the what I thought to be awesome, um, David Walker and Sanford Green, Power Man and Iron Fist run right a year or two later, which which I I adore and I had a bunch of pages of and I thought was fantastic. So maybe that's why because I kind of see this as the thing that came before that. But but either way, um, yeah. So this issue is um, it kind of dives you in deep. You, you you have to first of all you have to definitely know about. Danny Rand, you have to know about his relationship with Luke Cage. They they don't Larry Hama doesn't suffer any fools. He doesn't he, he assumes you know all that. He doesn't assume that you don't. Um but then I think where it really gets a little bit tricky and and why I think people may be scratching their heads if you weren't if you couldn't recall the Cariantra's book is Danny is chilling in his apartment in New York and he's got a little girl that's his basically adopted daughter named Pei. Mm-hmm. And he's got a pet dragon as well <laughs> uh, named Girk. And you might be thinking, like, when the, what the fuck? When did all this happened? Well, it all happened in that run. And, and in essence, and, and I'll, I'll, t- to make it as simple as possible, um, Pei is Pei was able to possess the Iron Fist um, and vanquish the villain of that prior story who was going about killing the dragon that you know that the of Kunlun, um who Girk is the new incarnation, the so basically the, the baby child version of of the the 
the Kunlun dragon that, that possesses the power. So in this book, it, it they they quickly find out or are are told that um, there is a plot or a plan to go about killing all of the dragons of the uh, kingdoms of all the kingdoms that are connected because you know Kunlun is one of them of the of the kingdoms, and so uh, Danny leaves Luke to babysit Pei and Gurk at his crib. And he goes on a journey with, I guess it's his like his right hand man, like the old like I, I I wasn't really familiar with that character, but there's like an older right hand man kind of dude that's kind of like funny. He's carrying a big pack of stuff, but he's they go into they go back to the to to that to that world to uh, to try and figure out what's going on. And when they get to the first world, um, there's a dead dragon who's had his heart ripped out by none other than my man, the Taskmaster. So you know you know Wachter had me when he made the Taskmaster the thing <laughs> in the first issue. And to 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 Larry's credit, the Taskmaster's not a chump in this issue. He he kills the dragon, which he was hired to do, and he whoops basically whoops Danny's ass and escapes with the heart of the dragon. Like he succeeds, which was awesome. There's no reason never why you don't buy that page. Bro, you think I'm not going to email Dave tomorrow? Shit. Why don't you do it right um, now? Because that's an well, awesome page. It would be rude. because Oh, yeah, about. because it's not basketball or football. You've uh, never done oh, anything. Uh, wow. That's <laughs> fired. I think those beers are a little higher ABV than <laughs> uh, but It no, is a beautiful it, page. It is. And, yeah. and then they um, they go from there. And then suddenly when, when Danny realizes that this is a quest to – kill all of the dragons he freaks because Girk is one of the dragons and and that puts luke and pay and Girk in danger and so he kind of races back to deal with that and uh luckily luke cage is a badass into his own right and uh they they too are he was right when his, in, his instincts so we were about them because lady bullseye is there with her crew and i should mention that both the taskmaster and lady bullseye have a uh, an army of undead ninjas at their disposal, Sweet. Uh, but not like hand ninjas. These are like zombie ninjas, like like rotten, decaying ninjas. Um, but but they 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 handle Lady Bullseye, you know, with relative ease. Pay whoops her ass, little pay. She's got some moves, some moves like Jagger. Um, <laughs> but it kind of sets the tone for now. They have to figure out like what the hell's going on, you know, um, with, like what happens if all the dragons do get killed and. And can they stop it and, and, and all that goodness. So it, it was a fun issue. It was a lot of fun. Um, I suspect it's pretty standalone given the tone and that it picks up off of the Carrie Andrews stuff, which I don't think they ever really dealt with beyond that. Um, it certainly doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the Sanford David Walker run of the book. Um, but uh, I thought it looked great. I think Dave looked great as always, but it's it's always fun to see him draw new characters, right? Uh, and I thought he looked fantastic. I thought he drew Taskmaster wonderfully. Um, great action sequences. I just thought it was fantastic. I, I, I thought he did a great job, and, and I'm like I'm pleasantly surprised because real talk, I probably wouldn't have bought this issue um, if it wasn't for Dave drawing it. Like I, this might have been something where if people raved about it down the road, I would have read it um, on Marvel Unlimited or something. But right. uh, I'm glad I did because. Not only does it look great, but it was a fun. It was a fun first issue. Larry still got some chops. 
Now, I was paging through the issue here, and I don't know if it was intentional uh, on Dave's part, but some of the antagonists early in the issue, if you look at them very quickly, they look, look like the turtles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It made me think of that. And I just wondered if that was his muscle memory of drawing turtles for as long as he did. Maybe. Or if it was intentional. Yeah. Well, he did do a nice stretch on, on TMNT. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, who's to say? Uh, you know, pr- promote your strengths. And I think Dave did an awesome job on that book. And this book looks phenomenal. Like, I'm not a Taskmaster fan. But that's a really sweet page. With it the, is. When it he is. carved the, the, thing, the heart out of the dragon. That's nuts. For sure. Now, Dap, you said you, it, you don't have this on your list, but it sounds like you read it. So, am I to take that that you didn't care? No, for? no, 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 no. It's I, I don't mean I don't mean on our Slack list. I mean it's 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 oh. on. I it's it, it's ordered. It's on its way, um, yeah. and and it's it's going to be consumed. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, okay, nice, it's good stuff. Dave, Dave never ceases to surprise me. He gets. I mean, part of I mean I'm 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 elated that you know he. he he landed this Marvel gig and, you know, I know he loves Daredevil. Um, obviously, I mean, he's not going to say no to an Iron Fist book, I'm sure. But um, it's it knowing knowing Dave from the CGS days, knowing Dave from hanging out with him that that when, when I first went when I met Neesman for Wizard World and um, Dave and I both stayed at Chris's apartment that first night before we stayed close to the convention center. Um and knowing Dave from the scar tissue days and things like that, seeing his name on in on a Marvel cover in a Marvel book, it it, it makes me so happy. I mean, I love this turtle stuff, love this stuff from IDW. Godzilla's great, but there's something when no matter what you think about Big Two or you know how they eat you up and spit you out, it, it's knowing when someone has worked for something and seeing that person's name work part of a company adding adding his work to the tapestry of these characters it it's uh it it, it really does make me smile the thing about dave though and and i'm going to be honest i'm just going to call it the way i see it we ha- we know people in the business who've been slugging away for more than a decade right making art yeah. trying to get in yeah, sure and they're not getting any better there's, yeah. there's, they've, they've stagnated for whatever Definitely. reason, yeah, sure. or they, they don't have the, the wherewithal to explore and to try new things. Dave is mm-hmm. always improving. And that's oh, not, God, yeah. not to say that he's, he's, hasn't reached a point where he's good enough. Like if Dave stopped developing as an artist and just continued to do the, what, what he does now for the rest of his career, he'd be an awesome talent. Uh, he is an awesome talent, but he would go down in the books as one of the 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 the, the greats, I think. But Dave is always pushing himself to to represent things in different ways, to try new new approaches to delineating things where you don't see that with a lot of the people we know. They're just like, yeah, this is the way I draw. Yeah. I'm done. And and Dave is is he's not content to do that. And that's why no, I think you're yeah. Now, I, I love Dave, and I, he full disclosure, as David said, and and, and you, uh, Wachter's our friend. So we're not gaining anything by praising the dude. We already have him uh, as a buddy. So this is nothing but the truth, in my uh, opinion. Dave is just phenomenal and continues to be more phenomenal as the years go by. It just bothers me that he can find new ways of 
of uh, speaking visually on the page, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It bothers me because, God damn it, I wish I could find the, the recipe to, to do that. But I think it's just perseverance and sweat and toil. That's what it is. No, I, I mean, I completely agree because, uh, like you said, we've known him for really since the start of his career. And um, I've always enjoyed his art. I, I, I have – should I have commissions that he did for me 15 years ago hung up on the wall? But to your point, like I was thinking of – when you were saying that, I was thinking of Guns of Shadow Valley, which I loved because um, I, I love – I love oh, yeah. there aren't enough Western books out there. And and Dave did that, and it was a Kickstarter. It was really cool, and it was a great. But like, if I look at the pages from that, which I loved very much, you know, I could see that Dave has continued to evolve. I mean, in terms of his 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 anatomy, his like particularly like the way he, I think he has a better sense of of space on a page now in terms of 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 people and their 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 size relationship to objects and everything. I just think it's like you said, Vince. You said it perfectly. He he's continued to evolve. I mean, he was. And yeah. the thing is, is un- frankly, unlike some people we know, he was already quite good enough to be a working artist in comics for 20, 30, 40 years later. Like he didn't have to – he was at a point where he was good enough to just continue to get jobs. But right. he doesn't stop. He conti- he does continue to try and get better. And I think that's uh, that's pretty rare actually. I, I, don't, I don't actually think that's very common at all. I think a lot of guys, their style gets to a point and it's good enough to get work and uh, – then understandably they just stick with that style because it's getting them paid. So yep, yeah, nothing but respect for for brother Dave. I, I love him sure. so yeah. much. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Well, I'm glad that you brought this to the table, Jason, because it is uh, some more conceptual continuity. Because we talked about the turtles, and now we featured a book drawn by a guy who that's right did a landmark <laughs> work on the turtles. I, yeah. I love when things like that happen. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I have something. What um, you got? Uh, it, full disclosure. I, I'm going to be completely honest in that I have not been up to date in the main IDW Transformer series. Well, that's clear because you haven't talked about it. Uh, yeah, I'm about ten issues behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a new companion series uh, to the Transformers franchise that I I just wanted to jump in and see. If I could, uh, you know, keep the pace, not having read the last ten issues of the main mm-hmm. book, and I, it, it's very easy. Uh, there's not a whole lot of heavy lifting here. Um, there was a, a a planet called the Aeolvin Biosphere, and it was rich in flora and fauna, and it got destroyed. Um, and the Cybertronians came in and said, "Hey." We'll give you some sanctuary on Cybertron. We'll make these uh, geodesic domes and you can live um, on our planet. Uh, and when this issue opens, Hound is uh, surveying the Aeovan uh, biosphere and something's up. Like the the wall of – or, or the, the arc of the dome is, is smashed in and uh, – the uh, Aeovans are, are like, shh, they're still around. Did you stop? And he finds a dead um, creature. And that's not very good because there's only so much of the the Aeovan biosphere left. So if you're going to – if creatures are going to destroy uh, – or be destroyed, then the chances of that species perpetuating is very, very slim. But anyway, it turns out that the things that attack the dome – 
and we're um, eating the uh, organic matter, so to speak, were Insecticons. The fucking vermin of Cybertron. And uh, it turns. That turned, is my shit, dude. Right? It turns out that you know that the Insecticons are, are well versed in consuming sparks. They're they're carrion eaters, right? They 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 feast on the the the, the dying and the dead, and uh, they've developed a taste for the the Cybertronian spark. But in this book, they're like, hey, that organic shit's not bad either. <laughs> so the uh, Insecticons um, are are ramped up a little bit from 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 recent memory, but. Uh, this is written, I, 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 uh, forgive me for not telling you going in, written by Brian Ruckley, who's very, very good with the uh, Transformers franchise. Art by Beth McGuire-Smith, colors by Priscilla Tramontano. Uh, I really, I hate to read from books, uh, but in this instance, I'm going to have to, because Ruckley does something with one page of dialogue that I have never, ever encountered in a Transformers book. He gets, completely understands what it's like to be a borderline immortal being of, of uh, circuitry and steel uh, with, with a, 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 the, the metaphysical spark, so to speak. So you got Hound, right? And he's talking to... Uh, this this creature called, or this, I'm, I'm going to guess that it's a woman, but let's just say this being called Pratine, one of the uh, the displaced organisms from the, the planet. And he's like, oh man, I, I just can't, I can't tell you how relieved I am that you're okay. And uh, she says, you know, um, we're not taught the concept of safety. Um, you know, you guys were cool and you let us live on your planet, but you, you, we don't understand you. And I really don't think you understand us because, uh, and this is the exact dialogue. She says, uh, you change constantly as is your nature and you change hardly at all because your deaths are so long postponed. You know, you are endowed with souls. You rarely grasp the doubts and sorrows that brevity and uncertainty grant the rest of us. You can be glacially slow because you live with an abundance of time, yet you can be impetuous and careless because error and consequence seem transitory. You expect to outlive them. When you imagine the far future, you imagine your individual selves in it. You know you will be there. And some of you think that gives you ownership over it. That's a brilliant take on the friggin' Transformers. Like, that's some of the most eloquent uh, writing uh, about robots in disguise that I've ever read. Yeah, and that's definitely an eloquent synthesis of their being. Right? That they, they're somewhat impervious to time, and that gives them... Uh, a very skewed approach to the the well-being of, of the, the things that fleshy creatures take 
you know, or don't take for granted during their, their, their existence. Like, who knows? You could just succumb to whatever, a virus, uh, uh, an assault, but Transformers, they're, they're made of, made of different stuff. And man, this issue was, I, I thought it was a great start. And, uh, it ends, uh, I'm going to spill the beans because I don't care. And I've, I haven't seen this character in a while. Die Atlas is at on the last page. I guess um, there's a monitoring system uh, that the, uh, the the creatures from the biosphere allow to keep beeping, even though they they know it's futile, right? Uh, it's a beacon, and they 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 keep it going because uh, in the past. Uh, something came to save them and fought for them um and they this this being said that if they they ever needed their call you know just keep the 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 beacon going and and the, their children activated it and they they use it as a lesson to their children to think that nothing's going to come out of the blue to save you that's not how existence works and so they keep this beacon going and Diatlas, here's the beacon. And it's amazing. Like this issue was so well done. Ruckley um is it does the the main ongoing, so yeah, well versed in, in Transformers. But my God, this issue was and the art by um Beth McGuire Smith, really good. It's not you know, it's not Milne, it's it's not uh Guido Guidi, it's it's a it's a different uh way of representing the Transformers. Doesn't it's not a bad way. It's not a. It's just a different uh, dialect in the visual representation of Transformers, and I think it works great. Uh, it's a. It's a winner. It's called Transformers Escape Number One. I don't know how long it's going to go on for. I don't know if it's an ongoing or a, a mini or or whatever. But uh, because Transformers Galaxies, I think, was uh, designed to be an ongoing, but they ended that after twelve issues. Mm-hmm. So this this may be a just like let's just see where it goes series and yeah I'm down I'm really down with this and it's it's right after to place it in Transformers continuity it's right after uh, Orion Pax became Optimus Prime so that's the stuff that's going on in the main book where the Decepticons are on the rise, the, the, there's two factions, the Autobots and the De- Decepticons, and they're at odds with each other. Obviously, you know the story. And um, Orion Pax takes the, the Matrix of Leadership and becomes Optimus Prime. That's right at this point in time. So it's, it's not um, current history in Transformers mythology. This is ancient stuff. So this is way before they came to Earth. Oh, I like her art a lot, dude. Right? It's beautiful. Oh, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. this is a great book. I think IDW's got a winner with this. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you're going to throw the Insecticons in it? Come on. Right? Thank you. Well, they're, they're freaks, man. They'll eat anything. They'll eat my wife's cooking. That's how nasty. Wow. Yeah. Catch a pizza? <laughs> in the easy bake oven there you go <laughs> yeah check it out with tomato sauce on it yeah. <laughs> Trans- american cheese transformers escape i loved it i thought it was, and, nice. and you know what i just read it like i got home from work at like say five i i, I was kicking back i said hey check some of this shit out i popped it open i was like what insecticons mm-hmm. right yeah 
This is great. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Um, I'm I'm s- like you just said, chap, yep. It, I did. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming you're saving something I finished this week for your travels, Vince? Oh, you could talk about it now. I don't want to. I mean, I don't know how specific you want to get into it because it just no, came that's out the yesterday. Thing. No, I'm not right, and it's and it's it's. Um, plus, we also had him on the show one day, so it's, it's yeah. It's, no, I think so we I could talk sure. about it. It's fair game. I mean, if, if it's well, we'll 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 get to it. Um, the uh, I did uh, aside from what we're talking about last guy number twelve. Um, I did what I did get to read aside from. Um, the Turtles was um, a couple of future state books. The second issue of um, of Dark Detective, which I think I liked a little more than the first, the um, for a couple of reasons. But the the, the main story um, still fleshes out what um, what Bruce is up to in in this future. It's uh, still written by. Um, Mariko Tamaki and beautifully illustrated by Dan Morrow with the uh, colors by Jordi Belair. We, we, um, we find out why old well, Bruce is in hiding. Um, the, uh, the magistrate believes that Batman and Bruce Wayne are both, are both dead. They're both gone. Uh, and their war on masks continues but so bruce has been in hiding and he is staying he's renting an apartment from this old dude who's living off the grid all the conspiracy theories they're watching you from your television don't drink the tap water and and i mean my man's full-blown uh storming the capital type crazy so we have um bruce is trying to find out about these three companies that really didn't exist before the Joker war. And, um, there does seem to be something connecting them and that something, uh, appears to be the remnants of Wayne enterprises. So, um, Bruce, of course, feeling some kind of way about his company, his tech being used, manipulated, um, on the citizens of Gotham, um, by people who shouldn't, be using the technology this way mm, so um, this is armor wars then just kidding just kidding i think it looks great but anyway it looks great yeah um i really like i i like that that future neo gotham is is very reminiscent of times square i mean i just i'm, I'm a times square whore but that I, I i love the look of it's weird it, it's you know gotham city is is dark and dirty and you can say it's some of the darker parts or the or the grittier grimier parts of new york but because of the nolan movies of course parts of gotham has been made to look like chicago uh whereas metropolis always reminded me especially by the water reminds me of the hudson always reminded me of new york city manhattan um but almost always with the future gotham city looks more like times square in new york city um and Metropolis seems to get further away from that. The more in the future you are, but um, it, the the like I said, the main story is continuing. What Bruce is up to, what he's been up to, what he's planning on doing. Um, 
and 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 look and doing it introduced a couple of characters here and there it, it it's one of the only four issue series from future state uh so things are going to be a little bit more fleshed out than the bulk than the majority of the other future state books you get more of a i think complete story with this than um than say you will with maybe justice league or um green lantern which for the most part, Green Lantern just feels mostly like an anthology. Like I said, it feels like those old quarterly Tales of the Green Lantern Corps books. But uh, the second story, I it's written by Joshua Williamson, art by um, Giannis, uh, Milo Giannis, and also colored by Jordi Belair. Unfortunately, the focus is on Jason Todd, who is working for the magistrate. He's turning in other vigilantes and other masks, but um, I overlooked that because the character that um, there's a reward for every vigilante you bring in uh, and Jason Todd wakes up to an alert that the vigilante that's been seen in the area is actually the vigilante, like the, the Wolfman Perez, Adrian Chase vigilante, which that's I love that look, love that character. Um, great seeing him in this issue. Unfortunately, since it's not his story, he doesn't necessarily come out on top um, in this short, if you want to call it altercation between um, the hood. So um, the you, you kind of just get this. There's a sense that you know, Jason Todd isn't keen on hunting vigilantes but i guess it's 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 either be eaten so he's he's doing what he has to do but he's still he's still in quotes batman's son he's still a detective to some degree um probably the weakest of the robins in that regard but still he's picked up a few things and um he's also at least the night before has been sleeping with ravager rose wilson so they um she has no qualms about killing vigilantes. It, it, you bring them in that are alive. Hood aims to always bring them in alive. Ravager could care less um, or could not care less. And she'll um, do away with them with no problem. But when, when Jason finds out that there's a red, there's a new red hood gang uh, wearing that old Joker style hood that uh, he had when he fell into the vat um but they're robbing from the rich they're robbing you know from food trucks and bringing them to poor neighborhoods they're, they're, they're robbing from the rich giving to the poor um but they're still breaking the law so red hood goes to um red hood finds one of them and chases after him and he's like they the guy's running away they told me i'd be safe and Todd's running after him, saying, you know, I don't want to hurt you. Just just stop. So he turns around, shoots at the Red Hood. Red Hood knocks him down, disarms him, and guy runs around the corner down an alley and meets Ravager where she slices him in half. Um, Red Hood picks up, Jason picks up the, um, picks up the helmet, picks up the dude's hood, and there's tech inside. Mad Hatter tech. So obviously the man's been manipulated. But then when we find out uh, as they're on the trail to the Mad Hatter, something else um, 
shows up that uh, Mad Hatter's definitely seen better days because basically they show up and Mad Hatter seems to have a hole in his head, in his skull because all that's really left now is is a skeleton. Um, and then they get an alert. They get pinged on their phone, and the next reward is for Jason Todd that are alive, and there's Ravager right next to him. So either when we find out the next issue or when it's continued, um, whether she's going to help him or cash in on that bounty. So there are only two two stories in this issue. Um, I second story saved by the appearance of, of vigilante but but of course the star is um is the main story with uh with the awesome art by mora but um i've seen so many there's there've been a ton of batman stories and some of my favorites are the ones where um he's tends to be beaten and down and out and and uh Oh, in this case, left for dead, but overcome. He doesn't have. He, he's he's got to get by on his wits and his smarts. He doesn't have his gadgets. He doesn't have the car. He doesn't have the super bat computer. He doesn't have Alfred. So there's just, you know, he's he's getting by with what he can find. And I um, I tend to appreciate those Batman stories because there aren't as many of them. I feel as there are of uh, of him in his in his rumbler or or the or on the bike or swinging around the city with you know not a care in the world because all of his gadgets and doodads are going to keep him safe and you can always radio in to alfred and arnold's back at the garage ready to fix things up it's just it's it's just it's bruce getting by on on uh on what he needs to get by and he doesn't have his friends and everything else to help him so i i appreciate that aspect of uh of this tale. I mean, Batman is Batman. He's got his gadgets. It's who he is. But when, um, when you can kind of flip the script and I, 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 you always pretty much know Batman is going to win in the end. And, and, and it's usually always the journey, but in this case for me, kind of doubly so because he's not in these kind of predicaments too often. So seeing him, how he's going to get out of it. I'm, um, I'm kind of here for the ride. So I'm, I'm, I enjoyed I enjoyed Dark Detective quite a bit. I, like I said, I think I enjoyed the second issue more than the first. You have heard me talk about Giannis, Milo no Giannis, um, probably a million times. Was, was, was he on Profit? Profit, yeah. Okay, I thought. Yeah. It, it, there's a very, I mean, it's, it's there, there's a lot of, um, did he also work on that, um, that anthology? The island, island or whatever the, yeah island, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, and and i mean i know he's got a he's got a bit of a manga style and and it's apparent here um but it's neat seeing the two art styles and and i mean and and you know we know jordy there jordy Belair is no slouch we know she can color pretty much anything but but seeing the difference between Mora's style and janice's style uh yeah. and her being able to follow them both it's 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 fucking skill it's great yeah two different approaches Totally different approaches, yeah. Did you read Aquaman? I I I meant to. St- I started to. I wanted to finish it, but then I jumped ahead to uh, to Legion of Superheroes because since I just read number twelve, I wanted to see if how Bendis continues the story. But but do talk on Aquaman. Because no, I, I, there's I not much to talk about. Okay, it's I mean, the art it, looks great. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's only a two issue series, so uh, I don't know how deep they're going to get in, <laughs> how deep they're going to get into this. But Jackson Hyde, uh, Black Manta's son, is yeah, Aqu- is Aquaman. Aquaman. Well, yeah, he becomes, and that's and that's that's from Young Justice Outsiders, where Aqualad becomes Aquaman on that cartoon. But um, but yeah, I mean, for the longest time, obviously, he was Aqualad, but right. but now, so um, but what's interesting is that he's not the water elemental in Justice League. Um, Arthur and Mira's daughter is the member on Justice League. He's not. So I want to read this to find out if they... Not that all the Future State stories are meant to tie in together, because obviously... Um, well, this is know, Andy. Yeah. This Superman is isn't Right, right. But... Um, but I don't know why Jackson isn't in the Justice League. Why Andy isn't? He isn't. But um, so I, I want to read it to see if that's kind of if they if they touch on that. But like I said, they the Future State stuff is not all running at the same time because Superman and Metropolis. That's a little. It, it's the same. It's still John in the Superman Wonder Woman book, but obviously they're taking place in, in in different time frames. Whereas, you know, wherever Superman is with on, on War World, um, you know, obviously that's after John candorized Metropolis because the people sitting in the field praying to Superman, they've already established that it's post Metropolis. Right. So it's the, the future state stuff are kind of scattered as far as where and when in the future they're all taking place. It doesn't even have to be the same earth. That's true too. Yeah, because in this thing, there's a a new uh, storytelling device called the Confluence, and it's oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, something about a, a a vast ocean that connects all time and space. So, if they wanted to milk this, just having uh, Aquaman and uh, aqua lass or aqua woman as she wants to be called just hopping around from place to place uh just telling out of continuity not out of continuity but um extra continuity stories they could very well do that because this book isn't it doesn't have to be hinged to anything right um and there's a one of the one of the characters loses a body part much like Arthur lost his hand. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Did see. you see that? In it now. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed it, but I mean, it's it's again, it's not a twelve course meal, right? right. This is just a a two issue series where you're going to get a brief glimpse at a continuity that may happen, may not happen, and and uh, the uh, it was written by Brandon Thomas with uh, Daniel Sampier on art. And Adriano Lucas did the color art. I, I enjoyed it. Sam Pierre is, uh, I believe, I don't, he's going to be, according to Twitter, uh, he is, I don't know if he's following Hester, but he is definitely penciling, he's doing the art on some of um, Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, Superman work so i don't know if he's doing superman in action because i know uh, i know um i know Mikhail is is also i think tapped to do some superman but 
yeah, that that that's what because I saw the Twitter and then I saw the Aquaman book and I'm like, oh, that's why that name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure he's. I, I, as I understand it, PKJ. I think the the uh, Hester is like just the first two issues. It's just yeah, this, yeah, and then action. and then Sam Peter is action and uh, Janine is the right isn't Janine at the uh, is Superman? Yeah. Well, I hope they give Sam Peter plenty of time to produce art like the first. Four or five pages, because yeah. he, he's in the zone as far as Superman goes. Like he does mainstream superhero really well, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. Those freaking sharks are cool, but anyway, yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. But you know, is it one of those things like, wow, that was the best Future State had to offer? Uh, you know, your mileage may vary. It was it was enjoyable. It's it, it's not a, a milestone, but it was fun, you know. Whatever, I, I don't know. Uh, entertainment for entertainment's sake, it was it was good. I did, um, I did enjoy the the Legion book. Um, I mean, yeah, of me course, too. the the Riley artwork is not going to um, not going to go unnoticed. And yeah, there are it. It definitely is. Um, it's it's been just messing around with 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 his legion. They they look slightly different. Um, they're they're older. They've changed a bit. Again, we've only known his characters for twelve issues, uh, so it's not like we've grown as attached to them as we would have with the Levitts and, and Giffen days. Um, and the, the the names really didn't change, but but as far as their personalities and and these versions. Um, they're not exactly as worn in as as old jeans, but they um it's it it is yeah there there is a um there is a continuation i, I don't i if if somebody wasn't current if, if they never read the Bendis's legion, I don't know if they would just chalk up any feeling of of being lost to just like well, it's a future state stuff all the future state stuff is is meant to be maybe give you vertigo so you're not really going to get your footing and um i think there's more to it if if you were reading the bendis stuff there's there's a um just like i'm sure there'd be more to the dark detective if i was you know fully all in on the joke or there's probably things in there that if uh i i could have you know i might see as easter eggs or stuff or, or just connect the dots but um it's it's lost on me but the uh there's there's still some some drama with with the legionnaires and and yeah but you get yes chameleon boy is the president's son um there's the uh there's the drama with with cosmic boy with ultra boy there's there's a whole i i appreciated the fact that it was a um it was continuing that story. Something happened with Triplicate Girl, which I don't know if we'll ever find out, but those are little things. I mean, that, that reminds me of like those old future stories where you'd be thrown into the future with, with the Avengers or something, and, and you know you see uh, the Captain America's got a different shield, or Iron Man is all basically a cyborg now, or the Wasp is, you know, lost a limb. There, there's, I, you, you see things, and you kind of want to figure out why you, know, you watch old, you read old man Logan or you, you flip through future and perfect and you want to know how some of these characters got to where they are. That's 
I, I like that aspect of um, of Future State because you weren't you weren't given. This isn't like issue thirteen of that run. This is we're in the future. There's, there's, further into the future, should happen. And and you know, in their conversations, you might get a sense of some of what happened. But for the most part, they're not going. They're not ready to tell you yet if you're going to be told at all. But um, it it absolutely looks fantastic. I mean. Riley with 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 the fucking zip of tone, it's fantastic. Bouncing boy being a badass, um, and he kind of was. He, he he came across as as you know, someone who was more than the the chubby maybe comic relief from from the older series. Um, and that double page spread at the end was uh, is pretty freaking rad. So I'm I'm um, I'm looking forward to the second issue um, to see where it goes or possibly ends and what we get next. But that, um, as far as the future state stuff I read this week that I was able to, uh, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. I still want to flip through maybe suicide squad. Um, but you know, it, it's, I'm glad I wasn't all in on, um, on all of them across the board. Like we were with new 52, because uh, there were a couple that I just, so far, I just, I, I wasn't feeling. There, there were a couple that I, I even, I started and, and kind of couldn't finish. So they just, they're left unfinished in my, they're going to stay in progress in, in comicsology. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm in no rush. Uh, I didn't mind Legion. I, th- I, I didn't, obviously I didn't read any of the Bendis stuff, uh, from whatever the the run that uh, what it, it, it went to twelve, yeah, I didn't read any of that. I didn't have any problem understanding what was going on. Awesome, yeah. Um, the presence of Riley Rossmo was the the only reason why I read it, right? But <laughs> no, I'll be honest, it was. Oh, no, hey, that's right. But um, you'd be lying otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I thought it was enjoyable. I don't think there was anything in there that made me say, "Oh boy, here's Bendis being Bendis." No, it was fun. You know, uh, I, the Element Lad is obviously at the center of something. That uh, and I, I yeah. thought the 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 uh, the problem with Triplicate Girl is um, one of those. You know, and then I didn't think of that. You know, uh, but I I think that's been explored in the past. But um, not yeah, I in think with the weight stuff. Yeah, I yeah, think right. not in super current continuity. So yeah, why not? Um, no, I thought it was it was fun. The uh, the Superman versus Imperius Lex. Um, I read the first few pages to get a feel. Um, I wasn't. I, I, I. It it looks like it's going to be an interesting ride. It, it it's also. Um, the only three issue um, series of Future State, but it's um, it's, it's kind of cool that you got some four, you got some two, you got a three. Yeah. There's a couple yeah. of one shots. House of L is one shot. It's you know let let the, the the story dictate the amount of issues. That's cool. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pew's Pew's art on um, it 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 doesn't really look like. The stuff I'm used to, see, it, it doesn't look like the Flintstone stuff. It doesn't. It, it doesn't look like what I'm really. It, it's. It's kind of like it's almost that mix where you know have um, Yannick Paquette kind of looks like Kevin Nolan. This. This is almost like he's. He, it's more like Yannick 
Paquette that it is Steve Pugh. There yeah. are there are pages where Superman's flying, or we get we get glimpses of other characters. Where it's like that that I would have had to double check to see that it was uh, it was by Steve, but it still looks good. It's older Superman. He's not on War World. I'm trying to you know, so I'll, I'll read this to find out where it may um, fall in line to uh, everything else that's going on in in Future State. But that's that, that's really mostly what. Um, what I've got for this week, I'm 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 saving my new travels for something I I really barely started, but I probably will finish for um for next week. So what else you got? Well, that question better be directed to Jason because he's been quiet. Huh. Uh, we know wasn't that quiet for until y'all started talking future, future state. Right, that's all good. Um, well. I, th- there's a, a book that I read a few weeks ago that we didn't talk about the show. I, I made it uh, my um, best thing I read that week, actually, because I read it after we did the show, I think on Friday, um, and then and then raved about it. But uh, we should be getting the second issue here soon, probably next week, I'm guessing, um, or at least no later than a week later from now, and that is uh, Eternals. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's be upfront here eternals has had a um uneven publishing history <laughs> in, in its quality um so you know i don't suspect that like eternals is like somebody's or many people's favorite thing or like they're just always begging for a new eternal series but i always dug it and um you know that probably is in part because i didn't have the uh, baggage of also being a DC kid growing up and then like comparing it to, you know, to Kirby and like feeling it's derivative, you know, like the derivative nature of it and all that. Um, Cause for me, like Eternals wasn't derivative, right? I didn't, I didn't have any perspective on that at the time, but either way um, they, there is another, there is an Eternals film. That's part of the next phase of the MCU. Um, theoretically, we're going to see it this year, I guess, but, I say theoretically because they keep moving the goalposts, what with the theaters being closed and stuff. But now that AMC is worth like a trillion dollars, I would assume that they'll, <laughs> yeah. they'll probably have like individual like isopods that they'll put us each in so we can watch the movie. But anyway, um, so they it makes sense that Marvel would try and reignite the characters in comics to coincide with the presumptive uh, popularity of them from the movies. And it's nice because they've gone back to a creator who is an uh, incredibly talented writer who has spent most of the last bunch of years making a mint doing creator own books. And that's Kieran Gillen and paired him with uh, a perfect choice to start off a book that's based on epic gods. And that is Asad Ribic um, after the great work he did with Thor all those years uh, with colors by Matt Wilson, who among Marvel's regular colorists, I think doesn't get any better. So superstar powerhouse a team. Um, so I would really have been surprised if I didn't think at least come away with something good to say about this book, but I loved it, man. I, I thought it was a super cool take. Basically they went all in on the idea of the Eternals being a very tech oriented tech heavy uh, race of, of um, immortals they make it very clear that they are still beholden, at least in this continuity, to the Celestials. They essentially exist to do the, the Celestials' bidding. Um, and it's the first issue is essentially an origin story. Um, 
Icarus and a few of the other well-known eternal characters are um, getting reborn in essence. They, 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 they continually get uh, destroyed and then resurrected and in these, these pods. And uh, this is, this is right after a, a resurrection. It's almost like a techno Ragnarok, I guess it felt like where the gods are coming back to be, but they do have recollection of their prior lives and the like. And, and Icarus is all business. He comes to, and he says, all right, what's what, why, why are you waking me up? What do I got to do? And, um, and he goes about one of the things he's do is he has to track down Sprite who given his nature is causing all kinds of havoc and is like a big overgrown child. Um, but I thought Ribic was on point. The the book felt very much like it could have been from metal hurlant. I mean, it has that vibe to it, the look. And the thing I really dug is that Ribic, I think made a point of making the characters a little more, um, lithe and skinny and, and, and taut instead of over mus- mus- muscular like he's he did with uh with the Asgardians which I like so he definitely set it apart from the look he had in in the Thor books um yeah and it was it was a, I'm not going to give away the 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 cliffhanger but but it it sets the tone for for um for big doings and and I will say that the the, the cliffhanger was was definitely shocking um uh, and I'm excited. It's it's almost just going to be like a like a you know the the even though the person who they imply is behind the the cliffhanger, I'm guessing given that it's Kieran, it's not that obvious uh, at all. And and yet I was still excited to see this character brought into the story. So. Uh, I'm being vague, I realize, but I'm trying to be. So, um, but I thought it was a great, great first issue. I really thought it was everything you want in the first issue, in terms of setting the scene, feeling different enough from the other big two books on the shelf that it'll make you care, um, and also making the characters feel powerful and important, which I thought was really important for them to establish, given that it is a derivative team-ish book. And what was it a few weeks ago? We were acknowledging that it's hard to get people interested in a team book, much less one that's not a staple team book so i i in as much as they, i think they did everything they could to make this a success yeah i think it looks the approach is very hickman-esque with the uh the text pages and the 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 flow chart looking pages mm-hmm. but that deviant at the end that's a dire wraith if that ain't a dire wraith then then I I have no history in Marvel Comics. That looks like a freaking dire wraith to me. The big pink... Mm-hmm. Do, does that not look like a dire wraith to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a connection? Because I didn't read this. I mean, if there is, it's implied and not... not Like, it. It's, that's... Let's find out, right? Like, it's... Right. Let's, let's wait and see. Okay. Because that would make me read it. <laughs> if, it was, if, if it was a dire wraith, then I would read the shit out of it. Well, I'll let you know. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, what say we drive the bus home? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here on this Book of the Month. We hope you enjoyed it. Keep an eye out for next month's Book of the Month. And there's only one way you can do that. That is to become a patron. Because then you'll get the shit You'll get the lowdown before everybody else gets it, and you'll be able to actually control what happens. You can control the outcome if you're a patron. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe, 
uh, take a look around. Maybe you'll like the layout, the, the lay of the land, and you'll like to join. We'd love to have you. Uh, the, as Jason and David said, going in, the slack is becoming huge and uh, not cumbersome, but there's a lot of people there. And uh, it's a neat little cross-pollination of ideas, which is always fun. So, uh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And remember, go to Kickstarter. CPS, Child Possession Services from John Westhoff and Bob Gar Ornelas. It's, uh, it's really smart, really uh, sharp. The copy is, is crackly, and uh, I think you should uh, check it out. CPS, Child Possession Services. In your travels, David said it. I read uh, Last God number 12. And <laughs> yeah, uh, what'd you think? I did not expect that at the end. I just didn't expect no. it. No, uh, uh-uh. um, the the uh, the cat will stay in the bag because it just came out yesterday. But I think it was a neat little uh, wrap up uh, of of the uh, the saga with glimmers of stuff that could possibly uh, materialize. Yeah, I think the. Uh, the person that had a hand in the uh, ending should have because this person was uh, crucial to all of the developments, uh, especially within the last four issues. Yeah. I, I'm being yeah. I'm being vague because, yeah, I don't want to ruin it for yep. you. But I thought it was great. Um, and as Philip said, it does end in a song. Why is everybody <laughs> singing? It, well, I, 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 would, I would see why they would want to sing at the end if it – Maybe not, um, but the song at the end is not from the same timeline as the the final uh, events. It, it hops around in time. Uh, some of it is, some of it's not. But I just think it was really smart way to to end it all. Uh, th- there will be more. I'm pretty damn certain there will be more. It better be. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. it I. Um... I, I guess as happy as as I could be, um, you know, knowing it was the end of book one, knowing, um, you know, it just it was a really well done overall package. But, um, but yeah, it was it it. I I'm glad I was kept not not guessing, but I I didn't know what to expect. I never knew, you know, you don't. This is. This is this is a story where you know don't get too attached really to the members of the party because uh, your favorite may not um, make it very far. So, um, but out of the blue, like yeah, just great. Um, yeah, no, I definitely um, heartily recommend it. I hope um, I don't want you to wait till the fall. Late, 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 late summer, early fall to to get your hands on the um, on hardcovers. You can find the if 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 you can get the issues, by all means, get the issues. Read it, uh, read it however you can read it. But um, I, I I'd hate to have someone wait just to just to wait. Um, I, I I I'd like this to be one of those books where, um, well, like you know, World Without End or just about you know any any not a cult classic, but just something where it's like. It's it's talked about fondly and and um, 
you know, like one of the cool kids. If 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 you read it, you're aware of it. But um, he's going to tra- blow up on Superman and be like the new Tom King or whatever, and he's going to get millions of people reading his book. Well, I'm being facetious, but there's going to be more Last God. There's going to because he's just going to. They're going to see the quality in his work. He's going to attract people, and they're going to make it so. Make it so. Make it so. I hope you're right, but I just will point out that Superman has in action have not been the uh, of course. career launch pad that uh, yeah. Batman has. Because, like, Gene Luen Yang is one of the best people in comics, period, end of story. And I don't know that his star rose at all when he wrote Superman. Like, well, they put I think Romita people Jr. still know him for his creator own work. Yeah. He had a babysit Romita Jr., so. That's facts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, it is, it's, it's. That is one of those things where it's like you know, you know somebody can write really well. If you know if if if, if you know a writer who's written really great work before, and they end up on a character that you think would make a whole lot of sense, or they could do no wrong with it, but something comes up because they're they're hampered by some mandate or some event or editorial, and either they. I mean, yes, it's entirely possible that what you wanted to happen, you know, they just, they didn't have that Superman or that New Warriors or that Doctor Strange story in them after all. You hoped for it, but it just, it wasn't meant to be. Um, that's entirely possible. But I'd like to think if, if if they've written like for 10 years and you've loved everything that they've written and, and you know exactly what they can do. Um and then it's like, okay, you're going to write Superman. Okay, great. But he's got a crew cut a t-shirt and wears jeans. That's and the thing. That's not I, fucking I, Superman. Right. I think Gene had the deck stacked against him because, one, it wasn't Superman. Right. Right. Two, Ramita Jr. is out in the parking lot looking for his car. He can't find the fucking thing. Where where, where did I park? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm being a, a jerk, but the, the Ramita Jr. on that run of, of – Gene Lewin Lang's uh, Superman is not the Romita Jr. we've all known. I don't know right. what was going on, but he yeah. he could yeah. not I, he could yeah. not find his right. voice. And I brought you, I brought Gene up because he's reason, reasonably recent, and I I love his work outside of of that. But but I my my my, my larger point was just that Superman in action haven't been yeah. right necessarily you can't just star makers. Superman automatically assume. Yeah, right. that's yeah, all. I get you. Yeah, yeah. But it should be. But I hope you're right. I mean, I I thought he was a, char- a charming, really interesting dude. And this week we had him on, and I would love for this to be his. Uh, you know, this would I, I would love for this to make him a household name. That'd be great. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, right? You you don't. It's because Superman is so beloved among the ones that love the character, right? You don't want to tweak the formula too much, right? Yeah, let's get a little bit of. Of uh, the novelty in there, but we really want to see Bibbo and Cat Grant and and, and <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. right? And and Guardian and the Newsboy Legion, you know what I mean? Double X, the stuff that makes Superman really really work. Uh, you don't come in and have Superman walk across the country. Yeah, like that's that that's was... just stupid. Oh God, yeah. Bring up Please let's not bring up Crowder. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's I. I there are, I mean, I go to the comic shop and it's like, and, and homeboy tells me, you know, I wish DC just published Batman books. If DC just published Batman books, oh, yeah. it all makes so much money. And it's true. It doesn't matter who's writing a Batman book. Batman is going to sell. It does matter. I mean, it's, you, would, you would think the flagship 
be Superman, and it doesn't matter who's working on the character. It's Superman. Why wouldn't it sell? It's also we don't live in that world anymore, where we're we're just you know a Superman book is automatically going to fly off the shelves. That that that's a ship sale that we don't live there anymore. Yeah. I think I don't know other character, by the way. I mean, there, there, there is no character at Marvel and there is no other character at DC that, that yeah. you can say that about. There are characters where generally speaking, unless it's, I mean, if it's done well, it will sell well, but it, it but we've seen time and time again, and this is no, I hope people we're not throwing shade. There's no disrespect on Tinian or Tom, like Tom King's one of our best friends in the bit. Like I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, getting that book in your like i'm saying that regardless of of what you did before and the quality of it uh and frankly the quality of your run batman is a star maker at least for a while it may not sustain you forever but it it will absolutely that that book just those books in particular batman i mean for some reason it's weird i mean batman sells way more way better than detective like in perpetuity which is also kind of strange but 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 regardless i mean batman is that book where it just doesn't matter people buy batman no matter what i don't get it i mean yes you do you were a biggest batman mark for decades i love batman but never ever more than superman like I, I, I think the mythology of Batman, it is what it is, and it's 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 compelling, and and I'm in, right? I I love Batman, right. but more than Superman, get get the hell out of here. More more than uh, Spider Man, no, no. I I don't understand how if you gave me uh, the the option of reading Batman for the rest of my life or Superman, I would go Superman. I just think he's a, a better, more compelling, more well-rounded character. Bruce is Bruce. Yeah, okay, great. You know, I mean, respect to you, but I mean, I'd be in completely the other boat. I just, I mean, I'm sure a lot. I'm sure it's pretty divided down the middle. I bet, I bet it's probably close to fifty-fifty. It probably is. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it is. But I'm, uh, I know I don't want to take a dump on Gotham, but for my money, everybody the, else the, does. The actions in Metropolis. It? Sorry. There's hope in Metropolis. There's, there's, like I said, everybody. It not a not a day goes by where someone is not, where groups of people aren't being murdered in Gotham. But yeah, people still live in Gotham, still move to Gotham. Yeah. How 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 is Gotham not? How is the population not dwindling? And people, it's 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 baffling to me. But um, hey, we got a couple hours. Let's go to Gotham for a pretzel. Like okay. <laughs> Uh, the other history of the DC Universe book two was uh, was released. This one uh, is about Mal Duncan and Karen Beecher Duncan. They um, they of course used to be um, the uh, members of the Teen Titans, and um, I am really, really, really looking forward to. Um, to reading their story. It, it starts off with um, Mal says he just wants to say that while I'm happy to share the telling of this story, our story with Karen, the reality is she wasn't exactly around for a lot of these events. So just, you know, you might want to keep in mind that a lot of what she's telling you is secondhand. So right off the bat, my man is letting you know that uh, everything this woman is saying may not be on the up and up, but she wants to let you know that she was around plenty and she loves Malcolm to death. He's a good man, but he's got a little problem being, let's just say 100% forthcoming. And Mal thinks I had some issues with the Titans and that 
it's going to color my perspective or whatever, which is not true. I'm cool with everybody. All that stuff they put Malcolm through, though, I'm not even tripping on that. Not even. And it, it, it definitely, I feel, sets the tone. So um, my my Teen Titans is the new Teen Titans by Wolfman and Perez. I have not read a ton of the original sidekicks um, from back in the day with Speedy, with Wonder Girl in a ponytail, with Aqualad and Robin um, and, and Kid Flash. It, it's they. I knew who those characters were, but that 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 was is slightly before my time because it was it was before the eighties. But um, those those issues weren't being published when when I was getting hot and heavy in the book. So it was it was that was when Wolf and Perez took off, and that's when I became a more voracious reader. So um, I haven't read too many stories with Mal with 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 bumblebee and 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 so i'm i'm interested to see whereas with the black lightning book some of that i remember reading as far as the way um isabella presented it or Barr presented it in batman and the outsiders or whenever he would show up um in the eight page backup in whatever issue or he'd team up with with whoever, uh, I remember reading some of those Black Lightning issues. So then seeing um, Ridley tell a uh, a story, a narrative with with those moments, um, that all things clicked as as I was reading them. And um, uh, at the time, I was younger and still white. I may not have seen things that way or read into things that way. And maybe some of what Ridley's doing is, is, um, is implying things, but, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the second book because these are going to be featuring. There's going to be a, a story about a couple of characters that I'm not very familiar with. I mean, I, Oh, they showed up at the wedding of, of Don and Terry. Okay, cool. That's great. Um, I know you were Titans. Doesn't mean I know what y'all are about. I think I've seen more of them, on the Young Justice cartoon than I have read about them in um, in any book. So, like I said, I'm just I'm looking forward to um, to reading this particular version, this volume. Um, so, I'll be able to talk more on it next week. But in your travels, I if you haven't read the Black Lightning one, I definitely recommend that. Um, and uh, I I guess in your travels, try something that uh, you may not have um, considered, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable, but, 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 but just try something new is, is what I'm going to say. We had the Eclascars and, and, you know, we all said, read something that's, we all talked about that night that you haven't read. Um, I'm going to continue that trend and say, read something that you hadn't thought about or that you thought might just make you a little uneasy and, and um, give that a shot. This isn't my inner travels, but I'm most looking forward to reading previews, which just came today, because it's not going to have any goddamn King and Black stuff in it. Oh, it's Very not? Excited. I don't think so, right? Isn't it over? Don't tell I me there's another I, month of it. No, I don't. This is the thing. I don't know if I, I don't. I don't know if it's over because I haven't. I haven't flipped through the Marvel one yet. But um, I, yeah, I mean, Venom 200, the end of an era. I think. I think maybe you're right, but. I think there might still be some fallout because. Well, all right. Well, then, whatever. Don't don't rain on my parade. I'm, I'm going to sleep tonight. 
yeah. assuming that when I wake up tomorrow to read previews after work, I'm going to see an, an end to, uh, to 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 all of that stuff. I hope. Minor Travels, though, is from our friends uh, at Image Comics. And, um, you know, those of you who have listened to the show for a lot of years know that there are certain creators for each of us that we just, they're like comfortable pairs of pants. You know that if they're putting a book out, we're going to enjoy the book and we're going to probably talk about it. Um, we all have them. You're probably all sitting there listening, thinking of who you would name for each of us. And hell, if you're on the Slack or Facebook group, go ahead and tell us who you think that qualifies. But for me, certainly one of them is and, and likely always will be Brandon Graham. Um, and we had the great pleasure of getting the first issue of a new Brandon Graham comic. Um, Rain Like Hammers, number yes. one, came out last week. Um, I've been savoring this. I wanted to take some time, make sure I could sit down and give it its due. Sometimes, you know, you, r- you race through some books, make sure you have something to talk about or because you want to catch up. But this one I wanted to sit down and savor because I think it deserved to be. And I'm very glad I did. Um, it's brilliant. I, I mean, listen, everything is subjective. I, I I don't ever get mad if someone says they're not vibing with, with something I love because it, it's subjective. There's plenty of things that other people think are absolutely brilliant that I just don't connect with. So I'm not going to be mad at you if you're not into this or you didn't connect with it. But for me, this is just his storytelling just hits me square on the nose. And um there are certain components of a Brandon Graham story that are always there and they're present here. Um, this is a futuristic world or a far flung world, whatever you want to call it. It's basically a desolate planet. Uh, at least the part we've seen called crown majesty. Uh, there are walking cities, um, you know, automated walking cities that traverse this, this desolate uh, landscape and Eugene is the protagonist. He's on the cover of the book. If you've seen the cover, um, bald headed kind of pudgy looking every man. Um, but as we are often see with, uh, with, with Brandon's work, uh, he's got that neck tat of the elephant, just like Brandon has in real life. So it always makes you think it's like somewhat autobiographical. Although <laughs> in this case, in other books, Brandon has drawn them to lead to look very much like himself. The, Eugene doesn't look really like Brandon other than the, the neck tat. Um, but either way, Eugene is new to um, the, the city called Elephant, again, playing on uh, his own self. But but the city's called Elephant. He's new there, um, and he's working at Elephant. And the crazy thing about this book, which I loved, is that the setting, again, is this far-flung, desolate place where there are walking city-states. And yet the book is the first issue is basically about the mundane, um, like uninspiring um, quirks of, of the average person's life. Eugene is basically a, a clock puncher. He he's he, he, the book starts with him at his desk working. When he's done work, he goes and gets some food from a fast food machine goes back to his tiny room and watches TV while eating his food, goes to sleep, wakes up, does it again and does it again and does it again. And the only real joys he takes are what he's going to eat. He thinks about it all day because some days he goes cheap so that he can save up to buy a really fancy dinner to go with a favorite TV show. Other days he splurges. Some days he doesn't. Um, and his foot and really the only things he seems to really get pleasure in are what he's eating and what's on TV. Um, he evokes memory of a, of a girl that he was in love with, but she got sent to another 
city to work and the cool thing about it is like this guy's life is this but it's he's not unhappy like it's not like he's like oh what was me it's just his life and i think it very much touches onto the it, it's this it's a it's a stunning reminder of how most people's lives at least most days are fairly ordinary like even if you're surrounded by excitement even if you live in the middle of manhattan or you you know or, or you're in the middle of a country that's fighting a war or uh, whatever, like you, your life is generally speaking fairly mundane for most people. And while that can be perceived often in fiction as a really depressing worldview, Brandon doesn't present it that way because it's really not right. I mean, unless you think 95 percent of the world is depressed all the time, which I'm sure maybe some people do think that. But I don't think I'd like not to think that's the case. Like life is just often very ordinary, right? For the, For the most part, I mean, presumably we all have moments of excitement or vacation or break from the norm or interaction with people. But, but in this world, he really captures that and he does it visually too. I mean, there are these gigantic open cavernous spaces in, in, in the, the city state as he's walking through places and, you know, he'll be walking through a giant hall and he'll be a little blip on the hall. It looks like almost like an ant and there's no one else around, you know, but then he's in his room and his room is this just tight, tiny little efficiency room. And he sits for a moment. He thinks, I wonder who else is what they're doing in their rooms. And they pan out and there's this graphic layout of all these little tiny rooms. They're all identical. And you see other people watching TV, other people sitting there eating. But you don't see anyone doing anything particularly exciting. Um, and, and that's really kind of the story until the end. And I'll, I won't say what happens at the end, but something happens at the end, which very much pulls everyone out of their mundane normalcy into a stark realization of, oh shit, we're in this desert planet with these giant city states uh, with presumably existential threats to them as well. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I just love his storytelling. And, and as he always does, he's, he is very much for those that aren't familiar with his work. He, he, he loves sight gags. He loves um, wordplay, you know, and sometimes it's sophomoric, right? I mean, there's a, a moment where he's he's watching a detective show and and uh, the detective stumbles upon a dead body and the body expresses gas as dead bodies are often and he, and there's two pages of them talking about what an awful fart it is I mean like so it's not oh you know it's this isn't like you know this isn't uh, deep this isn't Dostoevsky you know what I mean I mean they're like they're he Brandon just kind of tells stories he wants to tell and sometimes they're silly sometimes they're sophomoreish sometimes they're sexy. Um, there's often a lot of sex, sexual innuendo or overtone in his books. Um, in this book, actually, there wasn't very much of that, at least not in the first issue. Um, but I thought it was awesome. I mean, I always think his stuff is awesome. So not a real surprise, but, um, but I just think very few people can, can, um, captivate with such sparse visual layouts as he does. Cause if you look at his page, like I own a few of his published pages, if you look at his pages from King city or, any of his other works. I mean, just as a standalone image, you might not be blown away. I mean, there's not a lot of lines on the page, but in the context of the story that they're telling, I think they come to life. And, uh, I just adored this and I, I'll give a shout out to, um, to, um, his, his, his girlfriend, Alejandra did the colors and I thought the colors look great. Very, very muted. I think setting the tone for the, for the, the, the nature of, of Eugene's life. Um, and I also and then amongst all that, like he'll throw you these other loops where uh, there's this device and the name escapes me because it's a kind of a long techie device name that he gave it. But it's basically like an iPad that he listens to. But it projects as these 
uh, almost like um, uh, sine wave cylindrical solid colors. And Eugene listens to it all the time, but he says himself he doesn't quite know what it is. He doesn't know if it's if it's a song or a story or a game. And every time he listens to it, it's different, but he has no control over what it sounds like. And it that's just like this idea that Brandon had in his head that he throws in there. I'm not sure it matters or not. We'll find out as the, as the book moves along. It's This is the first issue of an ongoing series. But but it's just that whole thing is its own. You're like, what? What's going on with that? Because that doesn't really necessarily have to be there to fit into the rest of the narrative that you, you experience. So I just think the dude's a beast on all levels. And he's one of those people I much prefer when he draws, when he write, writes and draws his own book. I, I I think that's when he's at his best, and, and I'm so glad that he's uh, he's back doing a comic on a regular. That's awesome. It's a five-issue series, right? Is it? Yeah. I feel like it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I, it's was, a, I was hoping it was an ongoing, but I will. Right. It's a four-issue series for us now, Dap. I <laughs> 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 oh, did it, Vince. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. And I think you should really pimp that domino that you got. Oh, for sure. Oh, well, yeah. People, yeah, Ray and Light Camera's four. They'll, they'll yeah. see it. Yeah, they'll see it. Uh, well, the fourth issue is in the next previews, four or five. Ugh, that's depressing. <laughs> did you put the, the domino on you on the uh, Facebook? I did, and I put it on the Slack. Right, but I mean a, a fraction of the people on the on the Slack are going to see it compared to the number on the Facebooks, right? True. I'll put it on the Facebooks. Yeah, because it's really, really nice. How'd you know that I didn't put it on the Facebooks? I thought you weren't on Facebook anymore. I'm not. I, that's why I just oh. asked you. Yeah. Here we go. It is It, it is a slick image. It's, I'm honestly waiting to put it on because I'm going to make it my best thing I read this week. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty smart. Mm-hmm. There you go, my man. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. Please come back next time. We'll have more of the same and probably a lot longer. Um, if you want to uh, experience more of the 11 o'clock comics outside of this here audio spectrum, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and as Jason just said, Facebook, because there's a lot of us on there. And uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In the meantime, say it right, say it at night, and say it so we don't screw it up. Good night. I want to say it. It's around the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember the word. What was it? (laughs) Taylor? Manny? What's the name? Um... David, that's the one. Uh, you threw me because there was no long, drawn-out. It was No, just I was acting in there. I was a thespian, right? <laughs> there was a narrative, but I'm not going to tell you about it now because it'll go on too long. It'll push you past that mark that you have already got down because of your chronometer on your wrist. <laughs> You're just a cheater. David, I'm not a cheater. Oh, there's many, many different ways to encapsulate that word, cheating. (sighs) Right? You may think you're not cheating, but you're cheating. Cheating death every day. Oh, I hope you cheat death for a long, long, long time. Yeah, so does my wife. Well, it depends. 
Why does it depend? <laughs> because it, it, I'm, I'm worth more if something happens on campus at work. Oh, that's not. That's morbid, man. I wouldn't even say something like that. <laughs> that's just foul. Oh. Uh, that's it for that one.